Welcome to the Stay Loyal Podcast, where we seek to find objective truths about specific topics with experts in those fields. In episode two, I'll be talking to an, an amazing and entertaining friend of mine, Neil Dickinson, whom I also call Sensei Neil because of his lifelong martial arts background. He has his first degree black belt in Genwakai Karate, Taekwondo, Aikijutsu, and a green belt in Judo. He specializes in weapons such as stick and knife and Nango Hoi Jijin Ryu Ayodo, which is a sword fighting art. He is also a former Christian minister who is now called to live a life of experience, experimentation, and examination. Enjoy the show. Stuff, so yeah, and look functional. You can keep adding on to it and do a lot of cool stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, yeah, I'm honored you called, and I didn't even <laughs> want to ask what the subject is. That I just, no, I just thought we would like go ahead and just start talking. And uh, so how you been? Um, man, I, I was, I don't think my life has changed since the last time I saw you. It's Groundhog Day every day for me, yeah, yeah, same job, different address. Gotcha. I've done a lot of work in your neighborhood. We've been real busy over in here. These are old houses. Yeah. They're, they're shit, all of them. And you said you have a roof in them, right? <clears throat> oh, I work for one. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, man. And uh, I reckon this is community oh, yeah. community Absolutely. beverage. What do we got today? Rind over matter. Yeah. Is that, is that a twist off or is that. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's yeah. see. No? No, it's not. Okay. But I might be able to. That moment on. The Titanic, when the band realized, so we're not going in the boats. We're playing to the end. Yep. I've been in that that tension, the now, the not yet, maybe uh-huh. five minutes before then, at yeah, least a dozen times in the last year and a half with our company. Just one major, well, how do we get through this? Well, how do we get through that? How do we overcome that? Could you guys have... Um so do I have a whole lot of employees? Is that what's going on? Yeah, the nature which most companies operate like this, and so you're either a you're either a big fish in a big pond, mm-hmm. maybe you're the biggest fish in the pond, but you're somewhere in that food chain. We used to be that. Gotcha. And I'm a part of an organization that is they own us. Yep. Yeah. They're they're the whale. Mm-hmm. But they're made up of lots of little ponds. And what's some it of some of them um, at the very top of the chain it's Crane Renovation Group. Gotcha. And then they have multiple divisions doing mm-hmm. DBA, you know what I mean? DBA. Mm-hmm. We're Mr. Roof here. And they're really heavy in Ohio, but we're from here all the way down to Florida into Houston, all over the Midwest. Um, yeah. I can't remember if we're in yeah. Indiana or not, yeah. but we got two two things going on in Michigan. So that's us. So what I have is I have an office on Alpine, right across the street from Al, uh, right across the street from Walmart. Mm-hmm. They're uh, um, where Jimmy John's is at. Yeah, yeah. My store's in there, right next to the I, Kinkos. I, yeah, I, I know. I see that, Mister. Right. So we used to have a warehouse with about $10 million of inventory, and that's what I got hired in. I, I was a warehouse guy, and I yeah. was loading all that shit, and you're the roofer, you show up. Gotcha. Yeah. And so your wife's the salesman, she sells it. I put it on the truck. My boss is the one that sends it somewhere, and they buy the stuff, but they don't have to because it's in the warehouse. Because yeah. my boss would just go, all right, how much do you want me to do this year? $10 million? Okay, then I need uh, I need ten million dollars worth of inventory, because if that's what I'm going to sell, I got to yeah. have that much. Mm-hmm. And then he would order it, and we had this massive warehouse. And man, I was getting semis and stuff, and I had a whole fleet of like nine vehicles and trucks, and 
Now, when I worked, I worked, and when I didn't, I didn't, but that was the job I wanted. Uh, so about a year or two before I met you, I took the job because I you're paying me to work out. You mm -hmm. roofed, right? Mm -hmm. yep. It's hard, man. Yep. And so I got jacked and I got and destroyed all my Four ligaments and things <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, but I was busted up before I started. So no complaints. Anywho, that all changed. And they did a massive paradigm shift and got rid of all of that. Sold yeah. out all the chattel, everything. Yeah. And yeah. we went and redid that liquor store. And they said, we want you to be a McDonald's drive through hmm. uh, and we're gonna drop ship everything you need. And if you think about it from a big picture, that's $10 million with the inventory that isn't sitting there static. That's $10 million and I don't have to spend. I'll, I'll spend it when you sell it. And we had to reinvent, okay, how do we do that? What does that look like? Can we count on our suppliers? What happens when they're late? So those were all every day. Oh, what happens when I have a crew of 22 guys there who are getting paid by the hour and you're telling me the materials aren't going to get there till 3 o'clock and they've been there since 7 in the morning? Yes. Yeah. How, how many times <laughs> is that that roofer going to go do a job for me? Yeah. Not very many. Not much, yeah. So I lost that guy. Yeah. I had him for 15 years. He built this and he, we lost him. And ever since then, we've gone through about 10 roofing crews and we've never been able to replace them. And now what we're dealing with is... Um, Excuse me. Now what we're dealing with is uh, they're refusing the jobs because they're all they're just shit jobs. They're shit jobs. And oh, you mean the, 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 the crews won't do it. And if you won't do my son, you know, and I don't have a window guy, I don't have a siding guy. <laughs> it's like McDonald's. I can't. I have to close my hours now. You're seeing it everywhere you go. I do see it. Yep. It's, this is. It's me too. I'm dealing with it. I just went and to so Chipotle the other day and they so were like, everyone thinks early, it's yeah. isolated. It's not. This is a massive ripple effect going through the ocean mm -hmm. that is affecting everything. And it's all the same thing. Fuck you, yeah, I don't want to do it. I have to do it. I need to do it. Because there's so few people left working. There's so few left. Yeah, Those guys can go pick it. They but, can go pick but, it. But obviously the unemployment has uh, been drained, right? Uh, uh, I think it's going to get a lot worse. Um, for, I was just um, reviewing the news and everything this week, and mm -hmm. from several, because I follow a pretty eclectic uh, voice, and I didn't even listen. I'm just reading the headlines yeah, yeah. and um, like cruising the newspaper. Mm -hmm. It's very similar. No, I didn't realize that right now. I'll spend two hours just scrolling news feed, and then two, three minute there, you know, and get a couple, and then there's probably about 30 people I follow, and oh, we're, oh okay, that, they're talking about what I've been thinking about, what's up on that, and I trust them, and they'll go deep into it for two hours, and I know everything I need to know about it. Makes sense? I trust it. And so, um, there's a lot of indicators that in the next year, dude, it's, it's Biden, to look, we, lots changed since we talked, the president. Whole world's changed. Yeah. Whole world's changed. I think he was president. When he, when I can't remember. Yeah, I, I I, it wasn't that long. It was what? Was April. it this year? It was April. Yeah. Oh my God! It seems like a year ago. Forever, wow! Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! So that's how Groundhog Day it is for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got some really strong thoughts and theories on it. I could really, I could really uh, free stream on it. But my fear, yeah. you know, the movie Manchurian Candidate. You understand? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's no guessing we have that mm -hmm. the evidence is out his son is dirty if his son's dirty dad's dirty it's yep. all on tape we've got it we've got him 
doing the Ukraine dirty shit. We've got the emails. He is dirty up to his fucking eyebrows. And you keep asking yourself, why would he do all these things? Why would you, why would you do everything you can to make America go, fuck you, we're going to war. And we're going to have a civil war. A complete breakdown. And if I'm China, why? And this is, now I'm looking from far away. Maybe you have friends there that you can answer. I see the insanity of what's happening in Australia, mm -hmm. which was supposed to yep. be as democratic as we are. I've, and I've, yeah. Canada's not too far away, and I've seen video of isolated incidents of America, people minding their business, and American cops mugging them and hurting them and beating the crap out of them for mass stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, Is it not America? Yes. Isolated, but it's happened. Mostly New York, because of that cycle yeah, de Blasio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, uh, but Australia, Australia, this is, and it's, and it's a nation cut in half. In Western Australia, they're maskless and they're free and they're open. Why? Because their people are embracing the borders and they're not allowing people in. Period. If you're from somewhere else, no, we're fine. And they've contained it. And every, but in the other side, you would think it's the whole nation. It's not. I think it's only like six cities over there. I thought it was the whole nation. I didn't know there was plenty. Yeah, I didn't realize that till just this weekend. It's Wait, like, so wow. the Western Australia is not in the whole lockdown situation? They're, they're, you know, they're, um, they're not nowhere near as psychotic as the other side because it's governors in, like yeah. Texas versus New uh -huh. York. Uh -huh. I guess it's kind of a thing like that, but their parliaments, I don't quite understand it. Yep. And their minister of state or something just resigned today because of corruption. And so, well, unrelated. Yeah. So, but you look at what's happening in Australia. It's so draconian. It's so. It's like the movie V for Vendetta. Almost, we're almost there. Mm -hmm. I. It's. It's. This is what it looked like when the Soviet Union collapsed in the eighties, and then the Baltics blew up. I watched this on CNN. I'm it's different arguments, but people in the streets fighting the government. This is where it goes. And if I am China, I just am going to keep bribing. And I bet you all the corruption we have with Biden, it's probably the same fools pulling triggers. Like, why would you just destroy a republic over just bullshit? Dogly sauce. I'm being metaphorical. Yep. You kidding me? Going to prison for my a dogly sauce? No, I won't wear the leash. Fuck you. You know what I mean? No, I don't need to be brainwashed. What? You know, and in America, uh, what is coming? If Biden continues like he is, and I'm just looking at what they're saying, it's kind of like when the jihadists had their magazines and their YouTube videos, and they they had a they had a manifesto. They put out like these people had websites, and uh, I remember Tucker had Sam Harris on. Do you know who Sam yep, Harris Sam, is? Yeah, I literally bought his book. Uh, Which one? Free Will. Was it? I, it's in the last five years, I reckon. Yep, yep. So I I bought his book and. He has a, he has a, such an interesting concept uh, on. Facebook. It's hard to take, but he makes a very strong argument. And I before I even read his book, I developed that same belief about free will. And when I did read his book, it made so much sense because he's a. Now, did you develop it from a predestinational argument and then cognitively argued to justify See, it? That's the thing. Like so, when you when you talk about predestination uh, versus free will. It's neither in my uh, in my perspective because people will only give you two options, right? We tend to be binary. Yeah, free will or predestination, but it's in, in there is a fine line um, in between where I believe where we actually stand. Because when it comes to, I don't want to derail you on your whole concept about uh, Sam Sam Harris, whatever you're talking about. But, but what I, what I forgot believe, already. <laughs> <laughs> so when it, when it comes to free will, what I personally believe. Uh, to be the objective truth 
is that we don't have free will, but we are constantly influenced, influenced by various different sources. Because we are a spirit, that's what I believe. We are, you and me, we are spirits. And we don't make decisions by our own volition. We don't, we don't, we don't come up with the decisions. We are influenced by outside sources. And that spirit has a divine, a divine, if you will, uh, the puppet master, if you will, be it, be it purpose, be it divine intervention, will, um, whatever. The, the, so then, this is a question, uh -huh. a statement. The mixing of all that inter intermixing that is your emotive IQ, intelligence, your temperament, culture, mm -hmm. environment, all these things that our five senses externalize as governors. Yep. I think Sam Harris, because he is a materialist, but he's a neuroscientist who believes in a biological molecular world, yep. and then he has gone insane with philosophy mm -hmm. and and then he's a Jewish smart guy, so yep. he's just screwed yep. in every way. Yep. And he digs mushrooms, yep. so the sky's the limit, and you get a well, Sam Harris. Sam Harris didn't take it on. Oh, he's down for it. Yeah. Huge proponent of it. Yeah, some of his biggest break. Yeah, listen to his stories on it. But I feel like but he doesn't so... bring in the book. You didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know. Now that. here's what's interesting. So this is a question. What he would say, maybe you call it divine. He is. He is. Um, anti-deistic yep. but supports the values of a deistic society it's quite interesting but but i think what he's what he describes as no free will is there are governors that are because we are we are a, an individual unit of a, of a wider biological macro micro breathing mm -hmm. thing that is going on that we experience as reality True. we in our arrogance because we can create, and we're like a fungus growing on the earth, infecting space with our little disease shots, that, and, and this vast thing that's the universe, and he, he's open to aliens. By the way, have you heard his talking on that? I haven't heard his talk. We need to talk now. about that. Yeah, Whatever you want. Let's do it. I'm so, are we online, by the way, or yeah. have we started? No, we've started. Oh, oh I had no idea. <laughs> See, that, I'm like holding back. No, I mean, the thing that, that's what, that's what, I, that's what uh, I, I love to do. Like, I like to do it. Um, ambush. Yeah, I just like to start it off because I've told my other buddy who I did it just I did another podcast with. He's a, a chiropractor. Yeah, he's my friend. So I told him like it's awkward when you like walk in the door, you say hi, and then you come here, you like start it off and then say hi again. It's awkward. Yeah, 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 so I'd yeah. rather do an introduction and just do it. Like, yeah. So that's how you been, and then we started. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've started. Since so we talked beginning. a little bit about yeah. work. We might have to edit that out. So anyway, I, I don't think I threw anyone under the bus. So we weathered all the storms in the last 12 months and we're heroes. Yeah. And now we just need workers. So yeah, our problem is just getting installers and salesmen. But to where were we were at, I forget. What were we talking about? Talking Sam about Harris. Harris yep. So to me, when he when he first started talking about free will, it, it fit really well with my pre-Christian experience because I, I was coming at it from... Um, Christianity to me was on the same shelf as mythology, King Arthur. I would love to get into that specific, your, your pre-Christian sure. uh, life and how you transitioned from being Christian to, I don't even know where you are right now. What's, yeah. What would you say your, your, your sense uh, of beliefs are? Well, you know, the, 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 the thing now with sexuality is they've got the D and the days and the pansexual sure. and the bisexual yeah. and the homosexual. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to Christianity, I think I'm a, I'm a pan something, Christianity, something, spirituality. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm really hard to pin down, but I'm forever tattooed with my Judeo 
Christian. That was, I'm American and that was what I read. Okay. That was the experiences I had was yeah. in the Jesus box. That was your upbringing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm super comfortable with all that language and the metaphor. And sometimes I'm still a believer and sometimes I'm militantly atheistic. It, it just depends and it can be in the same day. It's really, it's schizo, it really is. So because you're probably never experienced that, you're like, wow, yeah. how uncomfortable no, that I must mean, be. I mean, I feel like I, I relate to you more now than I did last podcast. Ah. Um, Only because life? Life and then just a, a broader view on Christianity in general. Mm -hmm. Before, I used to think of Christianity as a, yes, obviously it's a historical text. The Bible is a historical text. Um, but I'm looking at it from more of a spiritual side, but I don't go to this go to the extent. Where we won. I'm, so before you looked at it as a, a a spiritual text, say that again. What? So I used to look at it as a, as a physical text where everything was just physical. Logos. So the so the logos, right? I mean, like like the creed, only scripture, scripture only. Yes, that was the way I was looking the at word, it. The, yeah, the word, the written word. Yeah. We don't, and if it's not in the word, it, it's, it Jesus exist. said it, he meant it, that settles it for me. Yeah. Read the red, pray it's, for the power. It's the, I think the Latinos do that. It's called Sola Scriptura. Yes, it's Latin. Yeah. Sola Scriptura, the Grace Sola, and so it was, it was this, it was these um, fides, the creeds yep. that you would say that, and they were, they were the way to teach new converts. Sure. The yep. big concepts of God, you're saved by grace only. Yep. Only grace, your, uh, the scripture only, only scripture. It's my fight, I don't know. And it's, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, that's on the podcast. Yep. But this this Saturday, right? It's, Saturday. it's fly down Saturday. Fly that's down what Saturday. I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, we digress. So, uh, man, we've been all over. So, the, yeah, the Christianity that I'd be, so that's the framework. I'm comfortable with it. And I'm, I'm yeah, so you're open minded. So, you used to be text only. The word, if you couldn't substantiate it with scripture, and, mm -hmm. and probably only within that line of, of Protestantism, which you would subscribe to, yes. then it was crap. Yep. And because my parents are missionaries, I don't know if I told you about mm -hmm. that last mm -hmm. time. So, my parents, from what I know of them, they are sola scriptura type of people. Um, yes, they do believe in the evangelical. Yes, evangelical. Yeah, they and, fit in America very exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, Going through that whole life process, I during my college years I had this experience where I was like I had I had no desire to be a Christian because it was so controlling and it was so it was just it just did not help me go through life in a smooth manner. You know, everything I did I felt bad. Everything I tried to experience I felt bad. So, it, who was the guy that ran away and he said, man, I'm living with the pigs and I got to go home? It's the um, prodigal son. Right? So, did you have your full-on prodigal son American experience? I did. I did. And when I when I went back, I didn't go back to where I necessarily came from. I you were raised adherent and then you had your awakening, screw this, and they thought, okay, there's some value to it. There is. Yeah, when I went back, I went back with the desire to learn because I had a lot of, like, like the worldly experience, what are we talking about? Worldly experience. I had all that. I found nothing in there, you know. And then I went, but I went so back. It's to fun, but it's often sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. fun until you lose your way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. sin allows you to explore and do whatever you want, but then it also it's purposeless, mm -hmm. right? 
So, so you used to always tell people from the pulpit, if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Exactly. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Being in that is fun. But then us as humans, we are um, driven by purpose, right? And we don't look for purpose. Purpose comes to us. But when I was in, in sin, I didn't, there was no purpose coming to me. Mm-hmm. All I lived for was in a flesh, desireful manner. So when I went back, I asked God, I was like, God, this Bible does not make sense. Help me to be a better Christian without the Bible, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't even know what that meant because every time I would like read the Bible, I feel it's like a I confusing had, book. I had, I feel like I had sand in my mouth because mm. I was just like, this is just gross. Like, I don't want to have, I don't want anything to do with it. And, and f- you would yeah. read it and feel uncomfortable as you read it? I did. So was it almost like, like there was a conversation in your head, you're just not even worthy to read this right now. You're so far away from where you need to be. Just put this yes, thing down. Yes, and it was not necessarily the text. It was the, it was the act of reading the Bible. Were there certain portions of Scripture, well, I can read this, but I can't read that? Not necessarily, okay. because I have read most of the Bible before I even went through that whole process. So I have everything kind of stored in my memory. But it was just the act of reading it. You're probably like me. I can think about it and I read it. Yeah. yeah. And when I, when, I, when I read it, I was just like, this is not for me, right? And then mm-hmm. I like kept praying. I was like, God, if there's any way that you can, you know, show me Hence myself. Hence text only. You were so merry. Your experience. Yep. I can't touch God unless I'm reading the book. Is exactly. there a different way to experience exactly. that? Exactly. Fascinating. And I'm then, clicking now. And then, and then one day I was sitting um, at my dining table at my old house um, when I was single and I was just praying I was like God what am I missing in my life right? and then in a revelatory if that's even a word manner um, he he showed me that it was my relationship with the Holy Spirit that was lacking you were just sitting there in the, in the daytime at yeah. a table chilling yeah people in that house flittering around not, yeah, yeah. there was not, not a whole lot of going mm-hmm. on but I was just sitting by myself I was just you know uh, reading reading my school books mm. and then I just asked like God help me see show me what I'm lacking in and he and he revealed to me it was my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because before that the Holy Spirit was just a concept. It was not necessarily something that I engaged with, not something that I identified with. It was something that was Were your parents probably a part of the cessationist camp in their experience of Christianity? Or were cessationist they cessationist pers- they were um, well, they are. Were you seeing the gifts of the spirit active in their gatherings? Not necessarily. No. Miracles, healings, interpretations. No, not necessarily. No. The uh, the nine power gifts of the Holy Spirit on display. The Pentecostals did that. Correct. We always thought of them as goofballs because they we were all over the. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the camp I came yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah, we did a lot of goofy stuff. Yeah, and it was yeah, funny. Yeah. It was like people rolling on the floor, jumping yeah, yeah. up and down. I was like, Saw it dumb. All. I don't want to do Saw that. You know. Yeah. And I, and I thought, that guy is weird until it was me on the floor. Well, yeah. in, my, in my case, this is real. But every other guy, he's a fool. You know? Exactly. And that's the arrogance of the moment. you know. Yeah. And because of that, like, I just wanted something more fulfilling than just reading the Bible. And sure. Because of that, I ha- I've had a whole new journey in, in Christianity. And I feel like I'm so far away from modern Christianity, from my own church. Mm-hmm. I just feel alone the point where i'm like i don't relate to any of you guys i see what you all have been through but my experience that i experienced with god and the holy spirit within i don't even pray like you pray you know i sit down i close my eyes i listen that's how i pray you know because people people 
but they pray they like god help me please give me this give me that it's a very materialistic mindset but all those things god has already taken care of us if we believe right if we believe but what what does belief mean it means being still enough to listen to what he has to say and then i have worked so hard to stay in that realm just fly get this fly out of here he'll die sooner or later <laughs> yeah are you familiar with psalms forty six ten? not by heart no i may have it wrong it's been a while oh so for you bible nerds out there if i get it wrong i know it might be wrong be still and know that i'm god exactly that yeah yep and that is um Depending on someone's Pentecostal background and who their mentors were, that might be a difficult concept to be still and know. Um, we read the, what's it, the 23rd Psalm, He leadeth me beside still waters. Yeah, the, that's when he... And so we look at that imagery there, where is he leading you? And I, I remember, because I came from the Pentecostal, I, and I, I came from a, a mega church that brother love i saw it all man yep. you know I, I, when i say brother love that stereotypical tv preacher mm. fleecing people for money yeah i saw that guy i saw a lot of those guys and um in the end that church had some bad experiences so i was there at its heyday and um and not all of it was not all of it was bunk man we caught some super nap did i talk about that when we were here before the no, angels just, we caught I mean, on we, film we didn't we did not talk about anything supernatural at all and so um that was a really weird experience so yeah so how did i so i mean i was raised in california sure. um uh, my parents my mother my mother was a multi-generational catholic her she was raised in detroit irish catholic she was catholic and grade school, high school, college. She had a major um, in English literature and a minor in Latin. So mom was uber smart mm-hmm. and um, really um, effed up from the Catholic dogma. We, we've all seen the comedian. We, we all know if you're American and you're aware at all, everyone's got the abused by Catholic story, how, you know, and, and then I woke up, ha, 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 and yep. F that. Mm-hmm. Well, she kind of had that, but like a lot of people, but man, this was etched into her, like in a way that like purgatory is real and it's all as real as the table, right? And so this, this I didn't realize it as a boy. So for her to struggle with that and be and getting open-minded, that's a really traumatic experience because she was like, man, this is, she comes from an era where like, this is like denying, denying your left arm or your, you know, you just didn't do that. And, and then my father was a uh, uber intellectual valedictorian of his high school Navy vet and um, self kind of made man and job hunting his way climbing the proverbial cash dream and suffered through a Chicago with GM when mm-hmm. they had a, a real deal Chicago it was the storm of uh, 66 or something like that and I remember there's pictures snow like my dad digging up to his shoulders and yeah. I can vague memories of the ice caves walking mm-hmm. out and we moved that summer to California he got a job headhunting with Xerox and Xerox back then this is in 1967 we moved to California mom and dad my mom got a job teaching at a Catholic school grade school because of her degrees and stuff and I don't know probably was wasn't so hard to get a teacher back then with certification whatever that looked like she was doing it and and so I'm three years old 
and we're going to a Catholic church and doing Catholic. And my dad converted to Catholicism and married her, and she, they start pumping out babies and doing the American thing. Mm -hmm. And my dad was raised Methodist, but my dad was really raised like Jesus is just an astronaut. And like, you know, he was like, uh, he'd be more yeah. down for so the ancient alien. Dad was an ancient <laughs> alien Jesus guy. <laughs> so you're saying that Methodist, is that what Methodists believe? No, that was okay. my dad. That was his dad. Okay. That was all. No, Methodists are nothing. <laughs> A Catholic and a Methodist has far more in common than anything my dad was going to talk about. Okay. And so dad was a trip man, and he made pyramid models in the house and things and stuff, and he was like a math expert, and he was reading Von, Gaunt, Von Donnegan's Traits of the Gods, and back then, I'm older than you, Leonard Nimoy, Spock from Star Trek. I, I know, I know Star Trek is. ends, and Leonard Nimoy was the dude with the ears that could uh -huh. raise the eyebrow, and the Vulcan, the original dude. He had this show called In Search Of, man, and it would be weird. It was like weird radio today, like what's a hit now in, in the YouTube world? And he was it. This is all we had. And, man, it was like number one show in the world. And I can't tell you how many podcasts I listened to of Bigfoot, UFO, just... Or just people talking. It's like, yeah, man, Leonard Nimoy and that weird shit he talk about. That's what got me started. And me too. And my dad knew all about this stuff. Anything to come on. Now I'd be terrified. You telling me Bigfoot's real? What? And we're going camping this weekend in the woods? No, man, no. Everything was a nightmare. Yeah. Ghosts are real? What? And hey, before you go past Bigfoot, you, you believe it's real? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. But you don't think it's somebody in a monkey suit? Something oh. wrong? Mm-mm. I think people have, absolutely. But no, no, there's this, for anyone listening, if you're going, what? There's a podcast out there that's it's, it's exploding. Look for it on YouTube. They've got almost a thousand episodes. It's called The Confessionals. And then his buddy, who also has a podcast, is called The Sauce Squatch Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And they have, I think, 1,500 episodes. And what it is is... Um, these are two dudes that had experiences separate from each other, found and didn't know what to do with it. And one, Sasquatch Chronicles, a dude named whatever his name, I can't remember, and his brother, uh, they tell the story. So in episode 19 or whatever, and they tell the story of a, of a Bigfoot, big, scary, eight-foot, ape-looking, muscular, just like you would expect. But all of a sudden it drops down to the ground like a spider, and it's moving and zipping around like time is etching, like like you would move a video ping pong mm -hmm. game, and they don't know. It's like reality. To comprehend. Reality, it. yeah. Did I just get dropped in an LSD vat? And these dudes are out in the Northwest Oregon or wherever they're at. I can't remember. And it's an amazing story, and it changed them forever. And this guy now has hosts the podcast on Sasquatch Chronicles because he couldn't tell anyone. That everyone thought he was nuts. And what it is is they're confessional programs. When people like you and me have these experiences and so the sasquatch focuses on that and there are now episodes that have highlighted it's on every continent every people it's just not a north american thing and then there was this show on and what got me into it there was this show when i was married gosh i've been divorced almost 12 13 years ago. it was uh the survivor man a guy named wes i've seen that on the Stu story. student or something yeah, like that yeah. and he's the real deal man that's really him and he be out there five days you know and just this is how i would do it and it doesn't always work sometimes he goes hungry sometimes he get but for them, this dude was a really experienced woodsman 
and he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I heard this years was when I first got into Joe Rogan, like way in the early years, because I came on the boat mm -hmm. right before he hit him, probably about seven, eight hundred episodes yep. before I discovered him. So the early ones were rough. Yep. So he's, it's just starting to get cool, and he's getting on these people that are like really interesting, mm -hmm. and um, this Survivor man's on less, less Stroudman, whatever it is, and he tells these Bigfoot stories that are just intriguing. Why would he lie? And um, I grew up in the house, to, so let's bring it full circle. So the house I grew in, dad's weird. So I've raised my whole sure. life with yeah. weird. Yeah. My mom is, uh, my mom has a master's in English literature and a, and a minor in Latin. Okay. And she's raised Catholic, sure. Irish Catholic. Uh -huh. She reads 20 books at a time. Dude, if you think I talk a lot and I'm a master of trivia, you need to meet my parents. <laughs> and my dad was a prolific sci-fi reader, and he was on a, a, a physics team at MSU that got the Nobel Peace Prize for accelerating electrons and smashing them. They were called the Atom Smashers. They built a cyclotron doing original research, and Dr. Henry Blossom recruited my dad in his senior year. He was a physics program uh, to come to work for him. And he was using his GI Bill. He was a veteran, mm -hmm. Korean War and stuff. And uh, we went through the winters and stuff that I'm telling you about. And he's like, "F this, I'm going to California." Mm -hmm. And he rode that. That he had that on his resume. I was on a team that got a Nobel Peace Prize. What have you done, bitch? And that opens doors. Yeah. And, and he rode that, and it got us to California, where I was at for nine years before we came back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Twelve off and on, but nine consecutively before the Michigan experience started. So in all of that, my mom being who she is, they, I don't know if they ever had a good marriage, I never seen it, but the one thing they did is they were both into weird and they were both hyper spiritual. And um, my mom lost her mind when I was three years old. Did we get into any of this? So this she, she lost her mind when, uh, I can't remember if I told you any of this before. No. When I was three, uh, we had just moved to California. We weren't there very long in her bedroom, and then there was a, a bathroom, and then an opening door to my bedroom. So yes, it was, yes. um, and all the other bedrooms were out on the other side mm -hmm. of the hallway on their own, but this was the idea of the baby's room. Yep. And so I'm in there, and I'm three, so I'm still in a bassinet, um, which I outgrew that summer, because those were some horrific experiences I remember. Like, I can still recall this stuff, which is why I know these programs. I'm telling you. you were how old when? I was three. I was three, so I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping at night. Mom gets up to take a pee, and the door's open to clean, and she's sitting on the toilet looking at the bed, and over my, over my bed was this black rectangular plywood-like object, painted black, and on it, like, uh, how a kid would draw a clown with glitter. Yeah. And it was, it looked like a three-year-old did it, and it was a multicolor rainbow, was a supposed to be a clown with like a dunce hat sure. uh, like on a stick but what it looked like is a really bad macaroni clown with a stick up his ass uh -huh. is what it looked like <laughs> yeah. so that by the time I was eight that thing was gone well my aunt who now is an amazing artist she's sure. um, this was like one of her first attempts I'm gonna make art and made it for the baby boy <laughs> so my aunt had made it, it was over the bed my mom's looking at it and she said that the clown came off the wall and starts dancing in the air, glowing. Mm -hmm. And like anyone would, what would you do? You'd, your jaw would drop yeah. and you'd watch. And as she's watching, 
This is all true, bro. Corey yeah. mom. Sure. If she's watching, Jesus materializes at my bed. And the clown is dancing and twirling because the prince. Now my mom's, everything is the prince. And everything is the son of God and Mary and mm -hmm. the devil and the devil's yeah. daughter. And she knows the name of Beelzebub. And she can go on in Latin. And just, it gets loud in her head. Yeah, yeah. And so she's seeing this and she sees God and whatever. And this, whatever this event is, <clears throat> and I might be remembering wrong. She's been dead over 30 years, so I can't ask her yeah. the details. So that's the case. Memories fade. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I certainly wasn't aware of it. I'm sleeping. So she starts telling people what happened. My dad, my sister, my, I have two older sisters, three years older, one's 10 years older. So mm -hmm. I'm three. I got a 13 year old sister who was brought into the world by a different mother whose mother died when she was five and six months later she's married to my mom mm. and when her and my dad dated which was like 30 days she's Kay and now she's marrying I call her mom she's not mom she's mm. that's Kay but my name's Kay and so she's it's been long between her and my mom forever yeah mm -hmm. and it's my mom my mom my mom's old school Catholic so Kay got some whippings that were really rough on her. Mm -hmm. That's my big sister's yep. name. Mm -hmm. Leslie Kay was her name. My mom gotcha. was Catherine, and they called her Kay. And gotcha. so yeah. mom will be Kay, and sister will be sister. Or mom will be mom, and Kay will be Kay. So Kay and dad are hearing this, and within, mm -hmm. I don't know how long it took, probably within 24, 48 hours, my mom completely lost it. So let's pretend it happened for real. Let's say you saw something, you have a baby, and your coffee pot comes alive and hops off and walks into the baby's room and it's glowing and it's talking and all of a sudden, Jesus, Vishnu, and Moses show up. What do you do with that? What, what do you do with that? And you know you haven't dropped acid. You, <laughs> you know, know what I, I mean? And so it'd be on that level. Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> you, you saw that, right? <laughs> You're talking about Jesus, Vishnu, and Moses. They're all there. I can't even comprehend what that even means. It'd be a big conversation, man. So, because because as a Christian, you can't, you can't. It's like you're always given the option that you have to believe either or, right? The all the real ones are liars. Jesus is the only one that's real, which is problematic. So we'll get there. Yeah. So, mom deals with this now. Again, man, she's been gone forever. So I'm, I know I'm slaughtering this. And, and, and she is my hero in many ways. So she lost her mind. She got institutionalized. This is in 1960. Over that specific incident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because she wouldn't let it go, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm destined. Like, I am, I, am the, I am the coming, second coming of Christ. And it will be etched on my thigh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Mom has just created this crazy... Lord of the Rings, it, she just flipped. Yeah. My dad and my sister are not buying this stuff. My dad's Mr. Well, actually, you know, are you sure you need medication? Are you on a period, dear? You know, and so slap and so, and my mom had an ass. My mom was not a dunce. Yeah. She was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And, oh my God, brilliant. And so what we later learned in life, and when she was at the height of her brilliance and, and writing a book, she wrote about 50 books, 100 yeah. books. Yeah. None were published. She ran for president. 
got put on a radio program and they realized in the middle of the interview she's insane mm -hmm. and then they felt bad because yeah. she's been exploited when she was she's in and out of institutions all my life so she got diagnosed schizophrenic bipolar like have you ever seen a movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest with the shock treatments to the brain this is the, I, those are this is the 60s dude, see, yeah. dude it's like it's torture it's like yeah. nazi level stuff so yeah she got zapped in the brain 13 times and there's some more elements to it we'll save for another time about um, psychic connections and meeting with the dead there's some things that happened when i was three to go visit her in the hospital she was gone in like a month and so mom disappears and when she comes back she's like on every drug zap step for boom and so my mom was for the rest of my childhood that she hung in there till i was about five yeah. you know she's yeah. making dinner ironing coming home hey baby you know the yeah. grilled yeah. cheese yeah. and all that and hung in there but whatever that the aggregate of eating those drugs just numbing and that bright electric vibrant and, and I remember I see pictures of her, of her now like mom was hot like Betty Davis not well more like uh Aunt Margaret hot like mm -hmm. that dark mm -hmm. Italian but she was Irish hair and um they're just it, it turned into the junkie and she um for like 20 years took lithium and narvane and um which when people who are pharmacists and I say that they roll their head it's like it's the worst dude and then she would sit for hours like a zombie. She, we had a couch that was indented oh. like a bow yeah. for those listening, like I'm making this shape of a horse saddle. And she would sit there about until she got up in the morning, she'd start smoking cigarettes. She'd go through two packs a day and she would pray for God to kill her with cancer. And every once in a while she'd get the balls to try to kill herself and we'd have to put her back in the hospital. So this is going on my whole life. Yeah. And so when she's not on the medication, because the medication sucks, then she, her brain would begin to work. But if you, what happens is you go, you go manic. You go, it's like, it's like a, it's like a cocaine addict doing a bag of coke and she start, we'd know mom was off her medication when she start talking. Did you ever wonder? And start typing. She had this typewriter, whatever the Royola or whatever, mm -hmm. can't remember, Motorola. And I can still hear it in my mind. So like if I was going to make a horror movie, that, that typing <laughs> the would be, you know, the corn cob thing. That was so... And she would write the just uh, craziest shit that always was religious. And so she was, my, my, my dad and my sister were resisting her. And so she was convinced he was Satan and she was Satan's daughter. And so that doesn't go over so well. So your sister and your, your my dad sister and, and my father were in cahoots and that he was really Satan and they're trying to destroy me. Interesting. Yeah. And so this is, she gets sent away for 30 days. She can't come back till you're not on that story anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know any of this. I'm three. So sure. you start getting five, six, seven, and it's like you realize my mom's not like everyone else's mom. Gotcha, yeah. like she's broken. Mm -hmm. So my normal is not like anyone else's. Gotcha. So somehow in that, she's coping, her and my dad. And uh, we live in the same house in Southern California for nine years. He's at Xerox. And uh, they start... And because of how the Catholic Church treated her when she had her mental episode, she got up out of class. I think she had the vision. It was the next day she got up in the middle of class and walked out and didn't tell anyone and got in her car. And uh, and I remember now and drove herself to the hospital and put herself in sight because she thought, I'm fucking losing it. Mm -hmm. I think I remember that. Or it was the second. It might have been the second time. So I think she might have got... 
I, I can't remember that, but that was it. And they like they never called her anything she's done, and and she you know lifelong Catholic and everything. And my dad, he he had so many theories on the evilness of the Catholic Church historically, which are all correct. You know, he was ready to bail. Mm -hmm. You know, F these guys, why would we give them another dime? Screw my wife. And so what do we do? We jump over to Episcopalian, which is the same exact song and dance, only your money's going to England instead of Rome. Same thing, you know. Hey, what is Episcopalian? Uh, well, the, the like king that. of England wanted to divorce and marry a new chick, and the Pope wouldn't let him, so he said, we're not Catholic anymore, we're Angelican. But it's the same, it's the oh, same, like the it's the same theology. Like the yeah, pretty yeah. much the same theology. Because, like... Only, yeah. only they can get married. Yeah, because yeah. my country has uh, that same version of um, Christianity. It's called Anglo. Because Anglo of the English influence, yeah. yeah. That's mm -hmm. the Church of England. Mm -hmm. So the king becomes the pope, and he can have sex in the pope camp at this point. So that's a big deal. Interesting. So, anywho, we go to that, and this is, again, Southern California, the Jesus movement, the hippie movement, the acid movement. There's a lot of free thinking going on out there. And my parents start hosting these things that, again, man, I, I can't ask them. They're both dead. I, I don't know what the hell they were. They were full-on parties. And sometimes there'd be 40 people there, 20 people there, 12 people there. Sometimes it'd be their friends, and they would just get sloshed, you know, and, like, fights would break out and police would come because my dad and some guy named Jerry because... 30-year-old guys looking at each other's wives, whatever it was, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I I guess that happens, probably not in every childhood, but that would be, okay, yeah, my dad and this guy got drunk, and mm -hmm. cops came, and my dad had to kick him out, and man, yeah. it was really scary. Uh, I wish that was all it was, and yeah. so they would do uh, seance parties. What's that? Seance? Seance parties, gotcha. yeah, experiment. Yeah. Uh -huh. This is the Episcopalian church, and the priests come over, and then next month, we're going to experiment, and we're going to do hypnotism parties. And then the next month, we're going to experiment. We're going to do laying on of hands healing parties. Wait, so all of this, the priests would actually organize? Yeah, yeah. And they were basically these, let's just dabble in the supernatural, any, meeny, miny, mo, every weird thing you can think of. And my dad is like all about it. And if what he was really doing because of the scientist's brain in him, let's just knock on doors and see if anyone answers. How does this work? Which to now, I think is awesome. Just yep. don't. Let's not just draw a pentagram on the ground and light candles and chant for beals above. How do you know that's the only way to access something that's negative, though? Because, I mean, pentagrams and Lucifer are not the only negative aspects. No, I think images of the crucifix and St. Mary or, or speak, any, it's, I, I think that's, that's the thing where certainty is your greatest enemy. Because, because, um... Say that again, certainty is Certainty is your greatest enemy. Interesting. Yeah. What we are saved by what? We are saved. I mean, according to the written tradition, it's saved by grace. Right? We are saved by we are saved through faith by grace and not by the works of our son, exactly. but, yep. but by the Son of Jesus Christ who died and gave. Blah, 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 mm -hmm. Romans Road. Sure. The, the creed, the Protestant Catholic creed, Episcopal creed. It's like if you think of Christianity as this great big spear of conversation and then we start getting to the tip of the spear now we're getting the New Testament now we're getting those last few inches of the spear that kill you the most theologians would tell you that the bright shining tip of the spear that bark that sparkling mm -hmm. most crystalline conversations of what is the essence of Christianity is Romans chapter 6 7 8 and 9 and if you had to get the very tip it's Romans chapter 6 7 8 and it's those conversations with Paul like a lawyer 
is laying it down. Spurgeon built his whole preaching career off of the, the methodology and the attack plan as translated into King James and now modern translations we get. And it is some, some of the most brilliant writing. And then it's a dense reading. It, it, you know, you have to, and what a lot of modern Christians do when they read the scriptures, because A, comprehension is such an undisciplined art. Few people don't know how to read. And um, they don't, they don't do the proper back study to do hermeneutically. What was this culture? What does this mean? Who are these people Paul's mentioning here? What was the setting? What, what were the people, the neighbors like as Paul was addressing? What, who was the king then? What did they eat? You know what I mean? Was, if you don't know any of that, it's just, it's like but, watching I mean, a movie. But don't you think those things are just distraction? Absolutely. Yeah. And then what happens is so, when we talk about, at least in the Christian experiences I went through, we had people, we used to look at it. See the tattoos on my arm for those that can't see on my right arm is Oh, you can show it there. I'm, I'm recording it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that either. Look at that. <laughs> so that's an axe. Yeah. And that's the bird, a dove. And it says truth and mercy. Mm -hmm. And so we said people tend to make things, in my experience, so binary, either or. And so you have you have the logos Christians where it's the logos is the word. Mm -hmm. And John one one it says in the beginning was the logos and the logos was the word of God and everything that was made was made by the logos of God. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in the Johannian literature that word logos changes into the word Rhema. And Rhema is the word breath. The word of God is written and then the word of God spoken is Rhema. Or in the in the Hebrew in certain iterations it's the Ra. R-U-A, Ra of God. Um, and then if you're a Japanese person and you think of the, the life, Hara, the essence, comes from the center of you, mm -hmm. and you start hearing this conversation, like, whoa, whoa, tell me more. Breath of God. In Karate, we have five different shouts, five different ways to say Haya, mm -hmm. right? Each one is a different thing. Mm -hmm. And these conversations of breath and spirituality, the life. And then if you're a pagan, and you've grown up with a shaman who can speak words that you would curse and spit. And that word, that spoken word that you hear, yeah. and then you concuss it. You see what I mean? So these concepts are not just embedded only in the, what John's talking about, the essence of who Christ is. It's the world that experiences reality with spiritual eyes understands the conversations of the rhema of God. The experience of God is now. It's the breath now. The Christian, that it is only a text, that it is only Greek and Hebrew and modern English and hermeneutics and it's, its theory and its philosophy, but it's never experiential. And they can tell you a lot about Satan and Lucifer and Diablos and they can speak of the demons at the, Gadder, the man of the Gadarene tombs who came running, you know, and he cast them out. They can speak of that text much in the same way that um, someone could 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 recite uh, Caesar's Gallaic Wars and tell you how the battles, you know, how he destroyed the Celts, you mm -hmm. know, there in the force. Yep. But they weren't there. They don't know. Sure. And so there's these two streams of Christianity, especially in Pentecostal, Pentecostalism, where I came from, as we looked at the intellectual church, the high church, the liturgical churches, those people that had the text only, and all you had to do was go to one of their services. 
because there'd be this massive pipe organ with things up to the wall. It was like a Who concert, only the Who never showed up and never played rock and roll. Mm -hmm. It'd be some old lady playing music that you didn't know the tempo to, that no one danced to, and a music that no one has written or listened to in 400 years, and words that, what the F are you talking about? And some old guy's gonna get up who's been diddling your brother for the last seven, you know what I mean? <laughs> and there ain't no God in that, I'm out of yeah, here. Yeah. And the old guys are out front and they're all taking a 20 out of the passing plate because that's why you wanna be the deacon. Um, you know what I mean? This is church in America for most Protestants, Catholics. It doesn't matter where you, it's a racket. It's, and there's no life in it. And then every once in a while, this is the Pentecostal story I came from, once in a while, um, in the midst of all that dryness, you know, everybody, the universe over, whether you're Indian, Muslim, American, Mexican, Chinese, everyone has that midnight hour where the universe shows up and you get tested. It could be disease, it could be death, it could be whatever that is. And you are going to crawl and cry out like a person drowning. You're going to cry for something. And whatever God shows up, is the one that you're aware of to yell to. Yeah. And when that supernatural entity crosses over from the text, you show up, sit down, kneel, pray, cross your arms, speak the Latin, go out, throw your 20, and tell the father what you thought, dirty thoughts all week at school for the teacher, and I guess you're good to go to heaven. There's no life in that. Some people find it, I guess. They keep doing it. But I think it's a racket. And then somewhere in the midst of all of that, be it Catholic or Indian or whatever ritual you're going, or even a pagan atheist who just materialist slob doesn't know anything. We have these story after story after people who have that midnight moment where something miraculous happens and whatever God they're culturally aware of. And there's many stories of people uh, that didn't know anything of Christ and Christ materializes and explains himself to them. Or an angel shows up and says, you will go down to the market and you will see somebody with a red shirt on and, and shiny eyes go tell them that they must that you must take them to dinner and do whatever they tell you and then they show up and it's the missionary it's your parents and your mom's in the red shirt you know and this is some headhunter who's been on a three-day journey from the jungle because an angel told him i mean i was raised in the pentecostal church hearing story after story like that of people that had these miraculous experiences of like the burning bush mm -hmm. and it seemed like some of the testimonies who could out burning bush each other whether it be well, the, so, so talk, you know what I mean? Talk a little bit more about the Pentecostal movement because is are the Pentecostals are they derivation of the um, the Protestant movement? Or yeah, what they, they are. They, but okay. it's but but it was um, so the the DNA of it to get real dry um, as we're going into the as we're as we're going into the Civil War and post Civil War. The soldiers in the Civil War were the most literate army we ever put in the field. We have more letters and books. They could, we're, The farmers of the 1860s were better educated than anything we're putting out in America today. I know that blows people's mind to hear it. I'm telling you the truth. They could read and they could write, the vast majority, especially Northerners. Um, and they were very literate because Sunday school sure. and the Bible. And so, um, and so these people what was happening in America was kind of like the kind of like Facebook today and, and and the proliferation of TV they were they were little little dime circulars and little newsletters and everyone was voracious readers and you could make a good living publishing stuff and if people were were buying your stuff and you could get these runs and if you were a great writer you'd, you'd get money for St. Louis would do it and the newspapers in New York whatever and well the Christians did that too and they had flyers and so out of 
going into and post-Civil War were these certain um, publications, um, the, the Prophet, the Herald, um, the Watchtower, Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is now today's modern Jehovah Witness things. And these were all these end times paper. And there was a, a, a Bible that was put out called Dake's Study Bible. And Dake taught, uh, uh, um, taught the end of the world and what it was coming and these prophetic things. And there were all these people. And the, and the biggest group were the students of a guy named Miller. And Miller said, Jesus is coming back on XYZ day. I've done the math, the generation, this, that, and everything. This is it. And then this swept like revivalism through the Midwest and America. And, and thousands of people sold everything they had. And they're literally on their roofs waiting for it to come back. Oh, man, I messed it up. It's in, And then it happened again a few years later. Well, you would think, one, fool me once, fool me twice. Well, this is happening all over. And out of these... Out well, what, was this Pentecostal? No, this is this this grew into the Seventh Day Adventists. Oh, grew into that, which are about on the Seventh Day and the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh. Another splinter turned into the Jehovah Witnesses, which is also psychotic on the Seventh Day, but their weird interpretation of the scriptures and things. Mormons are on a whole other trip. They got their own Bible going mm -hmm. on, and their revivalism is happening. Um, Methodist. Um, Methodist circuit preachers are tearing up the Midwest and the mining towns and the new states post the Civil War. Then you add into it pro-savely, post-savely, and trying to get um, the revivalism spiritual within the black community, especially spoke post-Civil War. They're, they're mixing in their voodoo tribalism, depending where they're from Africa, but they've been majority for about 80 to 100 years, so it's pretty much Moses in the Bible, but we have some of those other spiritualistic roots right and so on all this great big alma alma thing we get out of the civil war and now the pedals to the metal the industrial revolution we're into the 1900 times are changing fast and in 1910 um i believe it was 1910 uh, zeus street california los angeles california it was a warehouse um, a black man named seymour who had disfigured when i was leading it um, Displintered groups of various disaffected Millerites, Seventh day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, Methodists, do it yourselfers, and folks that were um, immigrants, and, but primarily in blacks mm -hmm. and Hispanics. It was really a melting pot of sure. what you would want the perfect IBM company to be today. Okay. And they were everyone that wouldn't fit in any of the other places. Okay. It was primarily an inner city ghetto thing of the poor hence the people on the wrong side of the tracks and in of that um he was preaching and in these meetings you could run your hand across the wall you come up with splinters it was nothing sexy about it rain would come through slats and what was an old horse barn and they're on splinter benches and he would put his hand inside the boxes melt boxes that was the podium and he would keep it in there as people would sing and do their thing and they were known for super super long Chanting worship services, which if you're a cult, you do that. You work, you weaken people down through chanting. What, what, so you're saying that, like, that just sounds very interesting. You're saying that, like, when you chant, you weaken yourself? Ever been to a concert where everyone's singing together and there's hairs stand up in the back of your head? Yeah. And it's chanting. That's because there's power in that rhema, that word, that energy, uh -huh. and that gets people. And so that's the rhythm, and that's, that's, that's made by God. That triggers something primal in us that we're our antenna 
Sure. All right, radio start, and you're ready for the surreal. Uh -huh. And that's why psychedelics and drugs are such wonderful bedfellows. And when we marry that, now the new thing in America, man, we're just eclectic going all over. And now the new hot thing is people are, are using DMT and psychedelics, mushrooms, ayahuasca, where the rich or the powerful or the woke, whatever, from every kind of how people from every walk of life would filter into a Jesus experience, be it high church or low church or spiritual or whatever, intellectual or experiential, that is no longer happening in America. That that corner has been turned and there's less and less and less people. This is just sociological facts that are choosing that as a pathway. And we've been in that mode for probably about, um, with a super, super heavy tension for probably about 30 years, certainly since the Beatles. You know, they say the birth of the Beatles and the death in Vietnam and the death of hope and modern nuclear age, it just killed, I don't wanna hear about your Jesus. You people have been ruining the world for the last several world wars, you're not, you're fired. Anti-colonial, now it's, what did that turn into? It went into university and it's the wokeism, so now it's everything Everything colonial, everything Judeo, anything of the past, you were all, all of you gone. We're burning it down. We're going to go back tribal. We're going to go back anarchal. We're going to go back. What? What? We're bringing back segregation. Wait. <laughs> Wait. My dad fought the Nazis so against that. So I digress. So in all of this, now people are pursuing spiritualism through what used to be the rosary or speaking in tongues and Pentecostals or taking your taking a journey to you know the Amish spiritual doctor and, or the Indian uh, I digress it's more like the Indian now they're paying money to go to the Indian huts eat the ayahuasca eat the peyote or skip all the ritual of having to climb the mountain and do the effort of sweating and boiling to meet the guru at the top and then he gives you the hit acid now they're just going to some swanky quasi guru chick who give me 50 bucks and here's the acid and I'll talk you through an experience and like this is it's church like this is happening on levels not and I say that sarcastically but like the government's doing money on it because of all the vets that have come home messed up mm -hmm. with the um, what do you call it the traumatic brain yeah, injury PTSD, yeah. and, and PTSD as well as the explosions the concussions yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and what they're finding is um, that really miraculous things happen. Like if you eat five, six, seven grams of this stuff in a controlled environment, they don't turn you loose at Disneyland, you know, and these <laughs> are war vets, you yeah, know. Yeah. So you're in a hospital and they're really controlled environments and the outcomes are stunning. I heard Rogan interview a guy on it who the government pays to do it. Like that's his job. He gets mm -hmm. you high as fuck on mushrooms, but he walks you through it. And so if you're there because the explosions concussively have rung your bell and it happens and, and um, football players, everything, but fighters, we all, you know, it's, it's real. Um, and what so, it does is it yeah. makes neurons regrow. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I was trying to get to. Like, so you think that that's, it is, it does. After the high is done, there has something changed in your chemistry. And so what they're, what, the, what that coach is doing in that incredible high where your receptors, your ability to receive light and sound as well as for those that have never had a cyclosobine trip, they can't understand the words I'm saying, but um, the, the brain is able to go to levels of cognitive thinking and awareness that you have never experienced in your life mm -hmm. because the things in your brain that 
the sight, the sound, the five senses that we're aware of right now are designed by evolution so you'll survive. Sure. It doesn't mean that you're successfully seeing all the input that's going on around you because the universe is exploding with light bands and sound waves and vibrations. And what is really, really common among people that take these super, super heavy doses and they don't flip out and go in the corner and go, oh my God, give me milk, I can't, it's the devil. Because yeah. everything's the devil. <laughs> ah, you know, I'm free. That's what you hear the word bad trip. Yeah. If you cannot, it just hang on. That's That devil may turn into your best friend in a minute. Yep. Don't hit him with the broom yet. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you can hang on and break through the other side, you what you'll hear people talk about is they literally see the molecular framework of the universe. Like you see it like uh, the movie Matrix, the mm -hmm. grid. Like you hear this time and time again, just like people say, I see Bigfoot time and time again. And just like people say, no, I experienced Jesus. I experienced Allah. I have met, it just how uncanny. I saw the UFO. No, man, my uncle got healed. We lay hands on him and like he's healed the cancer. We have these outliers everywhere. And what happens is I think people are now realizing through some of these psychedelic experiences, one of the fascinating experiences that Rogan talks a lot about is the machine elves that people meet in DMT. Yeah. And it seems to be these little beings that everyone is meeting, <laughs> the little smurfs. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when you contrast the experiences of people that are meeting these things with the little grays that people are talking about being kidnapped by UFOs, it's like, that sounds like the machine elves. Because the machine elf was telling me on the DMT that they fly around on UFOs and it's like this interconnectedness. And I don't know how to, that's like this little side file of high strangeness. I don't want to, I don't know what to do. So we digress. So I'm saying all this to you because the parents that raised me were having these parties all the time where this was normal conversation at my dinner table. There hasn't been anything that I've said in the last half hour mm -hmm. that I didn't hear when I was seven years old over spaghetti. Like it was weird in my house. And my big sister, who's 10 years older, she was down for the weird too. Mm -hmm. And my mom would just, by this point, she's so drugged up, she would throw some pithy stuff, but she was pretty quiet. So yeah. her weird came through um, teaching me mythology and spiritual things and gave mm -hmm. me a really, really deep understanding of all the Old Testament stories and Christ and everything. She did a great job catechizing me gotcha. on the basic yeah. and not in any dogma. Just mm -hmm. this is the story of Christ and where the Bible is in it. That was um, something that I now look back on that there was... By the time you're seven, eight years old, you're at the height of the most spiritually impressionable ages of your life, and she had fully infected me on all those watching Captain Kangaroo while she's feeding me peanut butter sandwiches and going giving me the Jesus picture book and sure. you know, and I like to go to the Old Testament. The cool stories were in the Old Testament. Yep. You know, yeah. all the rocks and Samson <laughs> and David, you know. So So they leave. Yeah. They go. They go away. Life goes on, everyone in the house starts getting older, the kids are saying church sucks. And so as my mom and dad are having all these meetings, I led that, I'm, I'm sorry, I led all this great build up, because it gets better. What I didn't tell anyone, and the reason why I listen to those podcasts, Sasquatch Chronicles, uh -huh. and The Confessionals is the other one, is because the real people are calling in, and I'm struggling, I think I'm gonna call them in and tell them my story. Yeah. Because my entire childhood that I lived in this house, my mom saw that Jesus, dude, I had high strangeness my whole life. I had the paralyzing dreams. I had, I had, I was terrified every single night of my life to go to bed. And I can't tell you how many times that when I would wake up in the morning or wake up in my bed, startled. And this went on until my 40s, where I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. 
um, high terror in my dreams where I'm being floated out of my bed. And when I was a child, the most terrifying thing in the world to me would be to le levitate me up to the ceiling, like, you know, my nose right above the ceiling. And then I would turn over and it would take me to the window, which was above my bed. And it was an alleyway uh, uh, between our and our neighbor's house with shrubbery, not an alley. It was like a little jungle and no light. And I would see monsters and beings and things in that window. And I would be paralyzed. I couldn't scream. I couldn't make any noise. And it seemed like they would just study me and look at me and laugh and mock at me. And sometimes they'd pull me from that window and I'd be to the other one and they'd all be lined up. And this went on from the time I'm a child. Uh, we, and we were in that house nine years, the whole nine years. And then these night terrors got less and less as I got older. And um, by the point that I'm, by the time I'm 19, um, and in these night terrors, that was just one example of them. Um, there were many times that um, I'd hear crashes and booms and wake up in the middle of the night, like like a bed shaking, and then you realize, I think it's my parents fighting, but it's mm -hmm. nothing. I don't know, did something just happen? You know, and, and I really haven't talked to my sisters about did they go through anything, but I say all that to say is that all my life, I feel like some people are magnetically they're more aware, they're more sensitive to the spiritual than others. And I think I'm one of those people. And I don't know if I was drawing it in my mom's energy. I think my mom was one of those people that it, it shipped her into madness. So it was interesting is she had many, 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 many episodes until she finally killed herself. I was 20, I think I was 26 or 27 when she killed herself. When she finally did it, um, she'd had many, many, many episodes in the hospital then and out and life was really hard on her. Mm. I, I mean, she was one of those rare people. She uh, very easily could have been a crazy person, on the homeless person. And in today's economy, probably would. And, uh, and she knew that, which is why she killed herself. Mm. It, it, she was, madness was getting less and less something she could hang on to, and there was no one to help her. She had burned all of her bridges. Because she got older, she got more and more violent. Once her father, she, my father divorced her, not because of the madness, because she tried to murder him. And was very almost successful at it. Yeah. And that's typically when it's time to get out of the marriage. Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe that infidelity, sure. I don't know. Yeah. Can we add murder to that? <laughs> Attempted murder, Jesus, you know? So, I mean, it was a long ride with my parents, man. A lot of, I'm just giving you the highlights. And so, um, a lot of strangeness in the house that I think my mom and dad were, in a Christian way, bringing in spirits and things that were pagan. And just like, you know, you start... You said that were pagan? They, they, they were bringing in spirits, I think. Because okay. yeah. they were pinging. They were oh, pinging, pinging, pinging. Gotcha, gotcha. experimenting. We're going to do this little weird spiritual thing. We're going to do that little thing. We're going to cry out to this one. And, sure. and my dad was like, uh, was like, um, any and everyone, come. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. And uh, was very aware of Ron L. Hubbard starting Scientology and knew that was horseshit and thought, man, I'll start my own religion, you know? And so when I finally be, had a religious experience at 19, man, I was so messed up about my theory on devils and demons and scary things. And I had all these experiences in my childhood that up until just really starting listening to these podcasts and mm -hmm. people calling in with their stories. Now I'm rethinking that I, the numerous experiences I had um, that maybe my mom and dad unknowingly were like portaling like you let stuff in and you know as a christian i taught that when i was a minister like you, you don't play with ouija boards because you don't know who's calling back I agree. you know you don't make prank phone calls into the ether world because you don't know who's going to answer the phone mm -hmm. and so one of the things i always told people I, I used to tell people i'm just going to assume that 
that that Jesus and God were talking about. There are things out there with names that we don't know that fly around in outer space, and some people call them gods. We call them devils and demons and spirits and things like that. All I know is that's why it's really important you need to know the name of who you're praying to. You need to know who you're calling. And so when Christians, Pentecostals, we made a big deal out of praying in the name of Jesus. Are you covered in the blood of Jesus? Are you wash in the blood of Jesus? You know, they're like, whose blood? Where's this blood? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with this blood? Are you going to, can you imagine a pagan hearing this? Coming in off the street? Mm -hmm. I don't, what do you mean washing me with blood? I just, I got to read a book now? I just want to go to heaven. I mean, it starts getting hard. Like, everything is metaphorical in terms of, it like, is. Yeah, Until it isn't. It, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you, do you believe right now uh, people are, going through the great awakening where people are there is a, there is some awakening going on we're definitely on if we survive long enough to talk about this in a thousand years this will be the changing probably the the third fourth reawakening of what people envision christianity and spiritualism to be i don't see how the human race survives i'm going to step on toes is if what if militant islam continues to stay on planet earth mm -hmm. And the acceleration of technology and the proliferation of mass and biological weapons continues and the breakdown of freedom-loving societies such as America, Australia, the West, Canada. What has happened is, is China wakes up every... It's an old proverb. It's probably made up. It's probably not from Africa, but I saw it on the back of a running t-shirt. And it said, old African proverb. Yeah. So probably a witty guy wrote it. Yeah. You know. This is every morning in Africa. The, the fastest lion wakes up and it knows it has to run faster than the fastest cheetah or it dies. Every morning on the plains of Africa. A, 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 a lion versus a gazelle, and fastest gazelle. And every morning on the plains of Africa, a gazelle wakes up in the morning and it knows it has to run fastest, faster than the fastest cheetah or it dies. So the moral of the story is whether you're a lion or a gazelle, start running. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere in that, China wakes up every single morning and they're thinking 40, 80, 100 year plan goal. And they're so big and they're so patient and their country is so locked down. And what you have to understand is China is China isn't even really in a national society. It Mao Zedong when he made the Chinese Communist mm -hmm. Party, it's kind of like IBM with machine guns, nuclear missiles, and one ideology, and get in line, or to the dog food can you go next? And people go, that's hyperbolic. No, no, they slaughter like it's nothing, and. It's the biggest horrors you can think of in the world, and it's been happening since World War II, before World War II. The wrong side won at the end of World War II. Mm -hmm. Just like now, American leaders who were warriors, a president didn't listen. And so someone assassinated Patton, and we didn't take out Russia. We didn't listen to MacArthur, and we wouldn't let him drop nuclear bombs. And China exists to this day, and we can go on and on and on. 
where a warrior looked at it and said, you see those motherfuckers on the other side of the hill? I swear to God, all they want to do is when they get strong enough, they're riding across the valley and they're going to cut all of our heads off. They're going to rape our wives. They're going to imprison our kids. They're going to take our gold and it'll be their flag on our front lawn, not ours. I swear that's what they want because this is how human nature has been forever mm -hmm. and nothing has changed and only warriors know the i understand what i'm saying yeah. and it, it's the pragmatism of it There's, you can't be mad at the shark the shark eats china's the shark and every morning they wake up and they don't care how you see the metaphor they're running and they'll let you think they're gazelle they're the lion they're the lion, they're the gazelle, they're the ninja, they're the cloud, they're the rain, they're the sky, they're the bank, they're the food, they're the everything. They own it all. And, it, and it's this thing, and they've let out this, come on, man. John Stewart, when he was on the Tonight Show, it came from, it's named from this place where they invented it. The Wuhan COVID virus is in the city where the Wuhan COVID lab is at. Hmm, right, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on, anyone that's that doesn't... Let's, let's get into that yeah. right after a break. What is your podcast called? What am I on? It's called Stay Loyal Podcast. Stay Loyal, that's yep. it. That's it. Oh, man. That triggers a lot of good subjects. Stay Loyal. <laughs> that's really good. We're live again. It's memorized. Yep. So, yeah, China, Jesus. I mean, I feel like I've thrown out 50 things. Let me string it all together and we'll pick it up with China. So all the weirdness with mom and dad, I always had my antenna up. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad, I failed in, I failed in elementary school, and I got sent to military school. Gotcha. I got kicked out of school in fourth grade. Gotcha. So already, already in fourth grade, I realized this is all a racket. Huh. These these teachers are idiots. I know yeah. more than they do. You know why? Why are they talking about this? We should be talking about. Did you see Leonard Nimoy's show last night? Damn it! We need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know I don't want to hear about two plus two. I want to talk about UFOs. You know what I mean? So they lost me because of the stuff going on in my house, and then I couldn't sleep at night because yeah. of devils and demons. So all that happens, mom, dad, divorce, she tries to murder him. They split, we come to Michigan, and man, full-blown drug experience, everything, the, a white punk on dope could experience, I did all that. And um, so when I was 19, man, I was used up. And I talked about that midnight moment, but we all have. Well, for me, it was, it percolated for a good minute. And by that point, if I'm gonna think about forever, if I'm gonna think about God, I'm not, I'm thinking Jesus, I'm thinking the Bible. I know I'm not going to go Catholic, and I'm running into people, and I had some providential experiences of some people that explained it to me in a way that I now know the Romans Road Protestant, mm -hmm. you know, Billy Graham formula, and, 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 I, and I really weighed the cost. And in the midst of all of that, everyone I ran around with, we loved to take acid. I think we talked about yep, that. was yep. our drug mm -hmm. of choice. And a couple of buddies that I was with, they got, they got, a bunch of people had a bad experience, and a few of them wound up as a result of the police and hospital and stuff from an overdose in a church. And one of them was my best friend, and I was convinced he was in a cult. And I went to rescue him, and I got saved that night. And it was April 28, 1984. I think I was 19 years old, front row, second chair, left side, about 7, 33, 34. And it was during the worship service. No one said anything to me. No one had preached. In fact, I was very uncomfortable with everyone in the room. My buddies were late. I'm by myself, mm -hmm. and I'm not having a good time, And I, but I can read the words. And the music was good, man. I love music. Mm -hmm. all, it was guitar player, piano, and a drummer. I was amazed by the voice of the piano player. It's like as good as Elton John. And uh, the drummer was okay, and the guitar player was sweet, man. He was hanging back. Like, I, like oh, I bet that you can rock. But he's a Jesus freak, you know? And, yeah. And, uh, 
later on he stood in my wedding and that dude can rock he could play like mother and uh and so i kind of like how you said you prayed that prayer at your dinner mm -hmm. table i remember sitting down i'm holding my head in my hands and words to the effect okay god my nickname was smash and uh like everything I've ever touched, everything I've ever done, I smash it, I mesh it up. I've never succeeded in anything in my life. I, I take the easy, and there's no way I can serve you. Because I've heard, had the gospel, I knew the cost, what it means to serve, to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, but I thought I did. Yeah. Be born again, change. Mm -hmm. And I, man, I love sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The only thing I wasn't getting was sex. I was still a virgin, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, well, that's not true, but it was such horrible experiences, I might as well have been. And so... And, and so if you're, if I'm going to do this, you, you need to do this. You need to help me because I'll ruin it. And I stood up, man. I was in tears, and that was it. And I had my experience. And then at the end of that night, the whole say after me formulaic stuff. But man, I that decision was made. I had I had been weighing it with God, and it wasn't something I did in the spur of the moment. I had really been thinking it for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And my best friend, who I went to go save, and we used to get stoned as hell, and sit in my house and just open the Bible and just read it. And that, That's you, a new can't that, you can't do that, man. You can't do that because we were just there's a lot of horrible, dumb. I don't know what that is. Tight, yeah, screw that. Let's put it on HBO. Yeah. But once in a while, you get something weird, we go, Whoa, you know. And of course, drugs doesn't help, you know, yeah. it's a bad way to experience God. So, in all of that, and I think I was really receptive to that because of the childhood that I had, I, my whole framework was. You know, at this point, satanic rock is kicking off. This is the early 80s, mm -hmm. and their, uh, Ozzy Osbourne is just going huge, you know. And, man, I, even back then, I loved rock and roll. I loved anyone that knew me in high school would tell you, oh, Neil's not into heavy metal. He's not into Satan stuff. I didn't like that. I was like, I, I called myself, I was into white metal. And so I was very particular about the music I'd listen to. Man, if you had pentagrams and devils on them, man, I, I ain't buying it. Because I don't want because of the things I experienced as sure. a child, yeah. and so it, I was very primed to go into that Pentecostal experience. And, and in Saginaw, Michigan, the Pentecostal experience I went into, Ronald Reagan is just running for president in 1984 for his second term. It's very pro-life, and so man, I'm just starting guzzling all these the GOP main talking points that the the moral majority mm -hmm. Jerry Farwell is still alive, and I just uh, rush. I just discovered Rush Limbaugh on radio. So everything that we're now thought of as Trumpers, the worst stuff. I, I have gone from a uber progressive liberal that I didn't believe in anything, and I thought Ronald Reagan was Satan. To literally the scales are taken off my eyes, and within 24 hours, I am a rabid pro-life. You know, and not because my pastor told me, because I'd, I'd read the paper. And now I'm looking at it through a biblical point of view, through life, through Christ, through rights. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's like literally the first time you hear music for the time. You've heard it all your life, but you couldn't hear it the first time sure. you hear it. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, the divinity and the, and the, and the, the Bill of Rights, the brilliance of the Constitution. Because, man, I, I was in sixth grade in 1976 when we had our bicentennial. I got that stuff shoved down my throat for a year. I knew it all inside out. We did... We did school musicals singing all the Christmas carols full of the Gospels and all the patriotic songs, which were always pointing to the Scriptures. And mm -hmm. so for the first time in my life, I'm tying these, the American conversation is the Judeo-Christian conversation, and the fight 
to free slaveries was because people loved God mm -hmm. and they loved righteousness yep. and they loved what was correct. And the the reason why women vote in America is because God said that you know love your wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, every good thing happening in America is because good Christian people said that's the right thing to do. And it took time for that inoculation. Doesn't happen overnight, right? And now all of a sudden, 1964, Vietnam, the death of God, and all these hippie radicals get graduated. And what is Jane Fonda doing? The Godfather porn poster of every dope smoking bong smoking dude in 1967 68 what is she doing she's in north vietnam with the communist chinese and the nba and she's a hero and we got people see what i mean and where did all these people do they came to the university and what are they doing they're reading mao they're not reading mein Kampf. for some reason fascism didn't seem like a good idea to them but mao who killed 80 million people politics by the means of a bullet that's his quote not mine they're reading that stuff, and what did they do? That that dope smoking person got that degree, and then they went into education. And then what did they do with that degree in education? They became a professor. They became uh, a journalist. They became a TV host. They become principals. They become university profs. They run for Congress. And here we are 40 years later, and everyone in America is guzzling the Chinese CCP bullshit because they think... And 40-year, see how I tied it all together? 40, 100-year increments, and they realize someday we're going to fight America. Not when, it's if. We're going to get it on. It's like the two toughest kids on the block. Sooner or later, it's going to happen unless one of them moves. It's just going to. Yeah. Now, China being pragmatic like they are, so you have to, so people don't understand the psyche of the Chinese people is the reason why 80 million people got a bullet put to their head in China. Why, after World War II, would they wipe out an entire generation? It was called the Cultural Revolution. And sure. the first thing yeah. they did is they said, there'll be no God. We're going to destroy all of our Chinese heritage. No more stories of our past. No more stories of the king. We're going to destroy art. There'll be no more Western music. There'll be right thinking. If you don't think right, then you're an agitator of the state and you'll be in prison. But what they really didn't imprison you, they just walked you down the woods and they shot you in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. and, they, um, and, they, and they kept, and they took over the schools, and it didn't take long before a whole army of young zealots literally turned on a dime, just like Christ said in the Gospels, that father will turn against mother, mother against son, son against daughter, right? And, 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 and neighbor against neighbor, and woe be to anyone who's pregnant in those times. Well, listen, if you were alive in Hong Kong, or well, if not Hong Kong now, now it's happening in Congo and China. When that purge happened, woe be to you. Well, especially if you're a Christian, if you love freedom, if you. But I, I play the violin. Bam! You're shot in the head. You're, that, that's Mozart's music. Violin is a Western instrument of, of colonialism. You're dead. And 80 million people paid the social the social sacrifice. So the only people left teaching in the school were the people that said the state's thing. Now look at we had John Oliver. We got Jimmy Kimmel going on. TV, it's just like a Chinese propagandist going down the street with the fucking leaflet saying, you know, those parents that listen to that music, well, you know, if they if they die, we're not going to give them any service in the hospital. Let them die. Jimmy Kimmel, well, you know, those Trump and anti-vaxxers, I say if they get a heart attack, just let them, I mean, I get this as my neighbor, let them die, and everyone's laughing. Oh, 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 and they, oh my fucking God. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you what it is, my friend, it is these Jews down there, you see, they are taking the Rhinelands, the riches of the fatherland. If we take the Juden, 
It's the same thing. It's the Juden and his funny little hat and his beard. Same fucking thing. And they can't see it because they're not teaching it. They're not teaching it. America's teaching Kwanzaa instead of the Constitution. Kwanzaa is the African replacement for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was invented by a murdering, pedophilistic Marxist in prison in 1967. Look him up. Not lying. Made it all up. Yeah. No different than the Chronicles of Narnia. Great fiction, great book, great movies. None of it true. Right? Be there is a place called Africa. They did have traditions, and they did beat drums, and they certainly had holidays, but it wasn't Kwanzaa. Yeah. And you can't... <laughs> what did Africa look like 200 years ago? It was a great big... Some of it was jungle, some of it was sand, some of it was mountain. And about every 40 miles you went, it was a new tribe, a new people, a new region, a new king. Some were 40 miles long, some were 400 miles long, but... There wasn't no flag. There wasn't no... And it was no different than anyone else around. Every one of those regions had a different God, a different language, a different custom, a different food, a different way. And it's been the same thing since the Stone Age. And, and now we're trying to demonize people. And what the CC people has realized is what we're going to do is we're going to infect our ideology into universities. We're going to bribe politicians. We're going to bribe media. We're going to buy, we're going to rape, we're going to, when I say rape, we're going to rape intellectual property rights, but they're just laying down mad cash, mad cash. So the LeBron James literally sucks the toes of the Chinese Communist Party and shits on America with no shame because of the millions of dollars that his goofy, stupid MBA movies and contracts does right there, right? Mm -hmm. We, You talk about selling out and being... If, if I'm a black guy and I've sold out to the master, am I an Uncle Tom? Is that what that is? Yeah. You talk about an Uncle Tom, man. You sold out to China. Every one of those guys that bows the knee to it. And, and now it's so bad because, listen, Abraham Lincoln said, whatever is taught in the school today will be your government tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Friends, that's what we, AOC. Well, how do you say her name? Ocasio-Cortez? Ocasio-Cortez, yeah. Alessandro, yeah. I don't even know. AOC. This is, and she's the best and brightest. She's running the show. A fool. The king has no clothes. And so. How did she even come into power? Like, she, she, she ran into, show? this is what Soros does or whoever the, whoever the they are. You get some little boob idiot. And not meaning, meaning boob headed idiot. All right. And uh, in, in a small little district with an uncontested nobody. And you steal. And you lie. And you buy the ballots, and you only need 90 more than that guy, and you're in. And then you go get on TV and go. She's from a little itty-bitty do-nothing New Jersey district, and she's never there. And she's got the whole damn world by the leash. Little 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 burg of less than uh, 13,000 people, 20,000 people. AOC, that's what she's in charge of. You would, th you would think she's the damn queen of Europe, you know. So th this is the power of media, which is sold out which is sold out, I, I don't know. I mean, dude, the Hunter, I mean, it's, it's been verified. The, the Hunter Biden laptop story has been verified. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. 
the emails are true and the press isn't it's true people I mean, it's already it's all true the rug, so like there's no going back into and opening that case biden is compromised by the chinese he's compromised by millions of dollars by the ukrainians which are puppets of putin and russia like we and so you ask yourself why would biden be doing all these things to just turn the country against you people what what the fuck Because he's such a damn coward that China, China, because because he ain't the only one China's got. They got the whole thing. They got the whole thing. Hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put Biden in charge. Kamala Harris dropped out of the race before the race even began because everyone universally hated her. And we're gonna put Kamala as number two, and he'll get more votes than any other president in the history of America because we're gonna make it so. And everyone jumped on board. And and dude. They have, they have judges paid for. Eric Sawell, who's on the Foreign Intelligence Committee, has been verified as sleeping for four years with a Chinese spy. She ran away back to China. He's, Pelosi won't take him off the committee like he was screwing a Chinese spy. We know her name. We have pictures. Uh, 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 who's that idiot chick? Uh, box letter? Uh, not box, something like that. It's uh, uh, out of California. Um, under the Trump administration, we find out that her limo driver for 29 years, that's how long she's been in the Congress, Senate, Chinese spy, her limo driver. Hmm. How much electronic eavesdropping, I mean, I, I could go, dude, I could go on for three hours, what I know of what's happening. And, and because I'm so neurotic on it and it's obsessive and it's a problem and it's probably not healthy, I mean, I've been this way before the internet. Sure. I knew, I knew, Barack Hussein Obama was no good back in the '80s because mm -hmm. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh and I was reading the newspaper mm -hmm. and being right here in Michigan. We're right across the pond, and because I was in the church that I was in, we were a very political church, and we got the political flyers, and we had people that would come, and they didn't tell you to vote for, but we had the we had the chaplains for Congress come that was a part of our movement, like mm -hmm. we. And I signed up for the newsletters. Like I took, I spent the five bucks. I wanted to get that stuff. And this has been, this has been going on forever. And so what the Chinese did is they said, we're going to fight sooner or later. So we're going to bribe, we're going to infect, we're going to indoctrinate, and we're just going to weaken them from within. Sun Tzu. It's like that. That dude was Chinese. Anyone hear of his book? I mean, that's what you do. It's it. it I mean, if you if you were going to go fight, if you're Egypt and you're going to get a, on a a, a pier. Tier one, uh, 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 if you're going to go have war with the tier one adversary who's on the same par as you are, Egypt against Rome, and everything's even, right? Wouldn't it be smarter, or we could just take 40 years and infect them with viruses and cancers of ideas and drugs and food, and we'll poison their dogs and we'll poison their minds and we'll we'll borrow them so much money that one day they all go to the ATM at the same time and it's empty. And the lights turn off and all the ships stop coming because they're just a bankrupt Venezuela where you need a barrel full of money. We're about a year away from that. And that's what I was talking about you when we first got here. So as I was talking, the research yeah. that I've been doing this weekend, there are several economists that I'm seeing from different biospheres okay. of the conspiracy world. Sure. That, yeah, we're about six to 12 months out and, and I'm already experiencing it right now in my business. I've been feeling it all summer. Anecdotal. The other day, I walked into a, uh, I get a, a health drink every morning for hydration, oh. 
And so I, I, I walk into the gas station and it's 90% empty. Even the beer's missing, everything's gone, like there's nothing there, nothing that I want, it's empty. And I look in the food shelves and so I leave and I go to the next one. And none of those, none of them have my product. And I'm looking. And then I get on my internet and I start looking and it shows off of California and off the East Coast, thousands, thousands. Have you seen the news? Thousands. It's like the D-Day invasion of all the container ships from China that Biden administration won't let come and dock and unload. And that's everything that the American machine needs because we don't make anything here anymore. Yeah. And it's just sitting out there. It's just sitting out there. Well, why is he not letting it in? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? 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 Why'd you turn the pipeline off, Joe? Why? Why? Why did gas go from under $2 to 380 And we're all, why, Joe? Why are we buying money now? He just went to OPEC and begged them, please produce more oil. My people are getting mad at me. It's more expensive. But you turned all the fucking oil off, Joe. Why? And now you're, we were selling oil to the world under Trump. Mm -hmm. And no one in the, you can't get no one in the news to talk about it. Forget Democrat right Trump. Just why, Joe? Why? Why did you do that? Unless you want to ruin us. He, he, he's mandating the New York City the New York governor just fired 70,000 healthcare workers. Last year, they were all heroes. Pre-vaccine, they were heroes. Mm -hmm. Greatest, more of a hero, the biggest heroes ever. And now we fired them all because they're murderers. What do they know you and I, these are, and, 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 and then I just heard going into the weekend, oh my gosh, crisis of people and health needs, so there's you did today, deaths up. Wow. Yeah, you just fired fucking everybody in the healthcare field. We're about to see a, 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 an endemic of the sick and the dying because there's no one there to... We're right back where we were. I'm sorry, we can't replace your heart. We can't do that. We fired everyone. But good news is, is we're bringing in people from the Philippines and Indonesia and India. And we're calling up the National Guard and they'll do it. Oh, I've heard about the National Guard. Yeah, yeah, that's New what, York. What is, what is, what's the, so they're replacing the healthcare workers with the National yeah. Guard? Yeah, so now what's just happened is, is all these unemployed people in New York, 70,000 just went on street. Governor Gavin Newsom just mandated every single student, K through 12, must be vaccinated. He has mandated every single city employee, da, 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 because when he won the election, that's when people were for the mandates. They want yeah. more of it. Mm -hmm. Man, he's hunkering down. And police are quitting, everyone quitting. The Biden administration is building camps right now to have conversations with 80,000 frontline combat troops that have said, fuck you and your vaccine, I'm not taking about it. And no one's talking about it. It's complete suppression in the media. Completely being suppressed. Even the truth tellers on the media. Hush, hush. Dan Bongino. Hush, hush. I don't know, but I'm telling you folks, this stuff's legit, man. Scary stuff. SEAL teams, tier one operators are saying no, they're resigning in mass. And they put that Marine guy in jail and in prison. They're, um, oh, they yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's happening there. is everyone in the military is being kicked out, re-educated or, or imprisoned, yeah. jailed if they won't go along with it. And so who's going to be left? The compliant. So who are those people left with machine guns and the cops that, okay, I'll go along with it. Thank you, Juden. Please get in the train car. It is for your safety. Oh, and please, and taking your shoes off. It's just the shower. Who the fuck were those Germans that did that? 
same Marine Corps people that are taking the jab. The same people that are telling you, dude, just be compliant. Just go along with, with it. the jab, though? But if you look at the jab vaccine in general, what about that specific vaccine that's causing What if, what if I was to tell you, is that, can you get that to call up a computer? Can you get Google screen yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah. Google right now, Bill Gates, you probably have to go to Dogpile. This will be a test. Let's see if Google. Bill Gates in 2011 says we need to reduce repopulation through vaccinations. He was talking about this 10 years ago. Basically says... Fact check. Uh... Fact checking again, so they're already cleaning it up. Now, this morning, I saw plastered headline papers, USA Today, this and that, picture of Bill Gates, and there it was in the quote lines. Bill Gates says one way to reduce world population is through vaccinations. And then, and then, um, oh man, I don't even know if I want to go down this. So, dude. Wood radio right here in Grand Rapids, Wood 1300. It's so weird because it, it says fact check right below that. Yeah, who's he? It, it literally says, this is India today. I don't know why that's on my thing, but that's pretty much a news outlet. It says, Bill Gates vaccines the population control make for infectious. But below that, right away, it says fact check by India today, mostly false. Okay, thanks. I hope I'm wrong. But why is I hope I'm wrong because my whole family it, took the vaccine. It, like, so the I think it, I think what it is is um, the, the um, be careful those of you who chase monsters into the abyss for the abyss stares back at you. Yeah. There was this uh, book that my son turned me on to um, based uh, sci-fi book uh, Warhammer. Um, Warhammer is uh, the sci-fi nerds out there. It's pretty huge. There's games, board games, movies, okay. and a whole war. It's like Star Wars but darker. Mm -hmm. And it's um, Star Wars but darker. And there's the good versus the evil. And in it, they, they talk about the maw and the chaos. And when I think they talk about the maw of war, M-A-U-A-W, think about the maw of a great whale, about to swallow you, the maw, the black maw. Mm -hmm. Government. Government is like a wild grass fire let loose on the plains that once it started, it, it loses control it and it just sweeps. And so one thing turns quickly morphs into another and unintended consequences. World War One quickly escalated where everyone was killing everyone because, damn, we, we signed that deal and, you know, no one, everyone knew. Please slow down. We all saw the cliff. We can see, but, but you know, <laughs> Stokeman that we are, I am right. We drive over the cliff, wide-eyed. And people have this uncanny ability historically, time and time and time and time again, like fools, we, we run into the maw, and we know it. Gotcha. We know it. So so going back to the concept about the vaccine, is it necessarily about the vaccine, or is it about what comes after the vaccine? I think the vast majority of people that are that are pushing the vaccine be they the be they the, the little pusher or be the person that are agreeing with the spokespeople on tv and all that i think the vast majority have, have bought the propaganda that it's a facious and that it's 
healthy and that it's good. And so they can be, they're the ignorant masses. They can be let go. There's another side of that, of the people that are at the tip of the spear, if you will, that are, I think, screaming for it because they're making a lot of money off of it. And amounts of money that you can't fathom. I think I, I read a couple months ago that that there's already been eight billionaires created out of these vaccines. People that are involved in it in one of the three companies. Mm -hmm. So there's those people and you know then people say trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. So um, some of those same people would loudly and morally say well oil's horrible, oil's horrible, those dirty rotten billionaires and trillionaires so all they want to do is get money and pollute the earth or all oil is bad and uh all those people that make rockets that just want to make war they're rocket makers and oil people are immoral and 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 trumpers whether they own roofings or lawning or any of the anyone that voted for trump anything that they do is immoral but scientists what a scientist is immune from dishonesty. A scientist would never lie. A scientist never has impure. A scientist can't be bribed. <laughs> Shit! You mean you mean you mean you're trying to say that the results was because who paid them to get them was those results? The scientists don't do that. That never has happened in the history of mankind. You've got to be that fucking stupid. Because that's what's happening. Yeah. And that's some of the loudest people out there doing. And then we have the other part of it, the politicians, that you never let a crisis go to waste. And they're seizing and they're priming. And, you know, I'd like to know what happened to those 100, 200 czars that Obama stuck into the state and the department and all those people to re-educate and mold society. I don't think they went away. And they've just been etching away and doing and molding. And whoever controls the microphone wins the argument. And just going into this weekend, YouTube has just shut down every single video draconian that contests COVID vaccinations. They just week? shut. It's just happening. Tim, it's happening. Anything. Facebook will follow. Twitter will follow. Kind of CCP like, right? Kind of Chinese like. You said something about Tim Pool. Tim Pool. Tim Pool. I just saw him talking about this oh, morning. You just talked about that. Yeah, you followed. You know yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. Saw the banner. I mean, Tim, Tim's on it, and it won't be long before Tim's gone. Trust me, it won't be long. But why do you think Joe hasn't gone yet? Because I feel like he probably has a big price on his head, and but he's the only guy that's kind of like open-minded, still talking about it. But no one's like, no one's banned him, no one's gone after him. They have, they have gone after him, and like, I think, media, um, I think, media. I think America will realize when it's too late. And I can't tell you how fast that's going to happen. I think if, I think what's going to happen is that we're not going to see the Joe Rogans be shut down at that level. Because I don't, me personally speaking, my worst case scenarios, I don't think America lasts that long. I think the lights, I think what's going to happen is we're all going to be sitting there one night at 7 o'clock and the lights are going to go off all across the nation and they ain't fucking ever coming back on. And that's it. The EMP, you mean? The There's so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, we just run out of money. And it grinds to a halt. And that'll take anywhere from weeks to a couple of months. But less than a year for it to grind to a halt when nothing's moving and everyone's starving. And you just wait till the cities start erupting. 
and the killing begins and the walking dead becomes a reality and again China wins and everything and whether it's going to happen through a financial crisis which is coming because you cannot spend seven billion dollars in less than eight months on top of the already 28 trillion which we were already in debt which was on 17 million of it thanks Obama and then Trump had to throw his eight on it and George had his four from the wars right and then we haven't even discussed the unfunded liabilities of Social Security and that trust funds that's like I think several hundred trillion dollars that is in the black books they're not even talking about people my age mm -hmm. when we start retiring in the next 10 years there's no money there so we're fucked so many different ways and so so whether it be revolution or anarchy or, a, or a, a constitutional crisis or Biden's so damn stupid that he miscalculates. Listen, if you're China and you're Russia and you're Iran and you're North Korea, are you going to wait for Trump to get reelected before you finally have that fight with us? Or are you going to do it now while we have Humpty Dumpty in there? How safe do you feel? So are you saying that like if Trump does come into... Uh Trump or, or 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 it doesn't ma it doesn't matter who the GOP puts up in twenty four they're going to call him Trump. I mean it, that is the boogeyman. That's what the, 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 that'll be the characterization. And and if he's any good or she, Trump will endorse if he's not running himself, right? Yeah. And and it'll be the same thing. It's going to be the same play. That's all they got: racism, Trumpism, blah blah blah. But so like if he does if he does come into power, if he does win, um, Trump or whoever you know precedes him. What does that look like? Say this, ask that again. So if Trump or anybody that precedes him uh, comes into power in 2024, what does that look like? Well, because of the spending packages and some of the things that the Democrats have rammed through in this boondoggle massive spending thing, mm -hmm. there will never be another free election. There will never be another so Republican president. So you're saying that president. there's... It's that's, stolen. That's your it's done. What you saw happen in 2020... Yeah. will continue to happen. It'll be one party de facto rule, which is sold out to the far left progressive ring, which is holding the leash of BLM, Antifa, which is really all symptoms of a wider disease. It's neo-Marxist, new world, one world reset, anti-colonialistic. It's like a jingoistic thing of a whole bunch of stuff. And everyone who thinks they're that their little hookah stem of it is their, is their own little track. What they don't realize is the hookah stem goes to a pipe. Mao, Marxist, CCP, one world control. And they're just sitting back letting us just eat each other. And it'll take one year, two years, 10 years, 20 years. China's still going to be here 100 years from now. And when the West is finally gurgled down its last thing and they've completely taken over Africa, they've completely taken over India, they'll just come walking through the back door into white Europe. They'll come walking, they'll just, whatever's left of America, and it'll be all them. So they're just gonna... It's already what, happened. So the way that they are going to win this battle is through like... Economics and social anarchy. Yeah. And the decay, the decay of nationalistic ideals and freedom. The reason why so many people are okay with silencing free speech in America is because they've been raised by neo-Marxist teachers. They, you thought Johnny was going to learn the classics on Plato and Socrates, and what you didn't realize is that his teacher taught him that Plato and Socrates were really white, white supremacists. race <laughs> supremacists, and the Abraham, see, Thomas Jefferson can, it's, I mean, horrible. He raped black people. 
ever in the history of mankind has a black person ever raped a white person or does that only just go one way you know what i mean it's like the absurdity of the outrage offends me what if we got race out of it people rape and people empower these shitty that, shit that's not gonna ever work because that's the only factor that people can fight over and never win right because racism you can't is, prove it undeniable yeah, right so right. so race is pretty racism is pretty much something as a battle that we can never win because it doesn't actually exist correct correct and you're fighting a battle that doesn't exist and once you get people into that mindset of fighting that battle then you can keep them fighting for wait you said something when i said could, racism doesn't exist but the mindset does yes so the race so how would someone separate the two because i think i know what you mean but other people are going so let's say I'm I'm fully in for the whole BLM yeah. uh, reparations, mm -hmm. malign people of yeah. brown colonial. I'm sorry, I'm white. I'm sorry, I'm a white male. You know, that whole whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. So when you say that racism isn't real, only the mindset yeah. and my mind explodes. Explain that. So basically, racism is a con it's a concept that still exists. Because the way I look at it is, it's only right and wrong and good and evil. Because evil exists in everybody. But when you say the word racism, it only targets one certain type one of factor of that evil. Yeah, yeah, and that only pertains to people that are white, right? So in the modern interpretation, yes, correct, and correct. in that aspect, you can't fight that battle because white people aren't thinking that they're supreme. White people aren't thinking that uh, white people don't look down on. People, people of color. It's just the person that's the person of color is the only person that's thinking that. The person of color is are the only people thinking that. Oh, white people are constantly thinking of us and how to put us down. Where white people are just on their way of living their life. They can give two craps about anybody else, right? But if you if you keep feeling now, how do you answer the person who says, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, dude. I was X Y Z, or I know so and so, and a we'll just go full st and a truckload of white rednecks." looked me in the eye and, and said f and you you blank and fill in whatever you are while yeah. and or whatever yeah and so it, they do think that because they they told me that yep respond yep so basically in that aspect is that like everybody does have that evil aspect of of indoctrination of okay we have to hate this town people because of this particular characteristic of them you there's no one there's no human on this earth that hates somebody else with the skin color that they are it's about some. It's, it's about a characteristic that they do possess that they hate them for it, right? So, the, so, so you're, you're referring to is the dudes in the truck are acting out in a way we umbrellaize as racist. We we put it as one word, racist. Yeah. But what you're really saying, well, that's that's if there's a mindset behind that that did that, that that's the infection. It yeah. wasn't the act of believing that people of color X Y Z are pejorative, whatever. Yeah. It's there's a mindset that 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 person is taught that or comes to believe that for a reason mm -hmm. and that's the sin and that's one of many sins yep. and yep. if i'm going to so what i hear you saying if i'm going to cure what i'm calling racism in you then i really have to talk about your heart and how you see the world exactly and the scriptures say be therefore renewed by the renewing of your mind yep. so that you can do the will and perfect will of god exactly so in that aspect so, as well like evil does not pertain to a certain race uh, it exists in everybody. So when the same act is done from a person of color towards a white person or even to their own race or a different race, 
it doesn't trans translate as racism because it's just a crime or it's just evil. And it's it's a consequence of outcomes. But why yeah. why is that separated, right? Why is that why is one racism one why is one just a crime? Right? Because if they can keep that as racism, that whole cycle of keeping people of color mad so they can fight this fight white people because in my what I believe is that white people did found you know they founded this greatest nation. You know, they were the backbone of uh, the United States of America. So if you can fight that and erase history, erase whiteness, erase white culture, then then we can build a certain type of ideology from the ground up. Well, there, there are... Racist history. Yeah, I think if someone is going to buy into the 1619 Project mm -hmm. and, and all the other bells we can hang on that conversation to um, some of the more intelligent accusations of BLM, most of it's ridiculous, but they all seem to be on that same track. Yep. Um, colonial, colonial, um, boomer, you know, people on that. So, what, what were you just saying? So, the, pretty much the aspect of the, the fact that, like, racism only exists because there are people hustling for it. Correct, correct, that, yeah. And I think, I think Morgan Freeman had that famous interview, I forget with who it was, maybe it was... Um, just uh, stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a Mike Wallace guy in 60 yeah, Minutes. Yeah. Because do you need Italian-American month? Yeah. You know, or Irish-American? Yeah. Why not? Why don't you want one? Well, neither do I. And you know? do you know who Tom, Thomas Sowell is? Yes, I love him. And I love his quote. Um, and Because it says, uh, the word racism is like ketchup. It can be put on particularly anything, and demanding evidence makes you a racist. Is that a little leaf? A little, I don't yeah. know if that's some spinach or whatever. No, that's like before the plant up there. Ah, okay. <laughs> and, and this is my favorite one. It says, racism is not dead, but it is on life support kept alive by politicians, race hustlers, and people who get a sense of superiority by denouncing others as racists. I agree. I agree. You know, I, I, I was raised, we talked a little bit about where I grew up. It was literally the Brady Bunch. I mean, it was right out of a sitcom. Um, a white middle class neighborhood. Everybody, there was there were no Mexicans, there were no blacks, there was no one. We were all white. And um, we had one Asian kid in my class and one Mexican girl who I had a mad crush on. Yeah. No, actually that's somewhere else. That wasn't there. So anyways, or maybe it was Liz. So. I didn't know anything about blacks or anything like that, and uh, except for what I was seeing on TV. And my dad was already explaining the difference between you know good people and bad people, and there is such thing as iggers, and then there's black people, and that the iggers come in every. That would be my dad's thing. There'd be white ones, Mexicans. It's you're either a piece of shit or you're not. And so that was flying around in my head. And then I get sent to military school, mm -hmm. 19. Uh, 1974, 75, and there are a lot. There's everyone there because this is a this is a melting pot of everything in West mm -hmm. West in California along the coast. And a lot of kids lived there. Half the school were on campus. We were from kindergarten to ninth grade in school, and uh, there's blacks there. And now I'm around them for the first time. And this one kid named Michael Carter, but man, he he was he was ghetto. He was ghetto. 
He was ghetto cool rap. He was Snoop Dogg before I knew whatever that was. He mm -hmm. had he had that it. Mm -hmm. That's that smooth, cool inner city vibe thing that mm -hmm. a dude from Iowa or me ain't gonna have. And um, and first we didn't get along very well, and and we got in a fight. And back then, if if that school if you got in a fight, they sent you to the principal's office, and you put these big rubber gloves on or Nerf bats. You could choose your weapons. And you'd have to fight for a minute, all out. And you get a bloody nose with that stuff, you know, but you're not really getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we got we did that. And then when we came out of there, we thought it was really fun. And we were best friends from that minute. Yep. So it's kind of smart what mm -hmm. he was doing. And that dude became, here I am, 57. I've seen that guy forever, man, since 1976. I was only there a year and a half at school, two years. And uh, probably the best, tightest friend I ever had in my life. We're talking about two two different completely worlds mm -hmm. and um, and I didn't know that I could love a human being and not in, not in a gay way as much as that that was so different yep. and that difference was part of the joy of it and yep. that he experienced me that way we didn't have the words to explain it back mm -hmm. then but I mean we really needed each other because yep. we were both out of our element yep. you know and, um, and that was a really rough school to be in and no one no one had to indoctrinate me on that. No one, I didn't have to be told. Sure. I, I experienced it's a human adventure. being yep. who turned out to be really wonderful. Now, yep. in the beginning, we were abrasive towards each other, probably because white kid, black kid. I don't know. I can't remember what we fought about. Mm -hmm. It was a stupid scrap and pushing and whatever. And the teacher wouldn't have anything to do with it. Sent us to me to the office. I mean, that, that office was a turnstile all day of kids fighting. Mm -hmm. but, so, but yeah, I didn't have to be told on that, you know, and, and you talk about these this stereotype that so many people today that that I'm really ashamed to think are my neighbors if they come from the same America. I the people that are professional haters that hate that hate that old man in his seventies, his eighties with the MAGA hat on and the flag who's a World War Two vet or a Korean vet, a Vietnam vet, you know, those were my teachers. Those were my mentors. Mm -hmm. And um this one guy who he absolutely he, he at all the worst abrasive ways of Trump's personality they're just like wow I can't believe you just did that yeah. you know and loud and that was Mr. Lucas and he was my sixth grade teacher in 1976 he was the one teaching us from most of the things that I've alluded to in our bicentennial Mr. Lucas was a World War II Marine veteran he was in his 50s when I met him eccentric eccentric human being in good shape and absolutely uh if you've ever seen the movie um, um, Grand Prix, Grand Torino, with Clint Eastwood, where he's the old man in Detroit, and, no, he can get, one, no. and he's a crusty old war vet who go mm -hmm. see it. That was Mr. Lucas in his fifties, yeah. and um, fought on Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, and Tarawa, which were miraculous, and he survived all three of those. Mm -hmm. Never got hit, <laughs> and and was one of my heroes. Profane, would slap you. And grab you. I was the third school that he worked for because he would slap you <laughs> and grab you yeah. and get fired. He couldn't yeah. deal with it. You know, he couldn't deal with the hippie bullshit. Yeah. And loved America and he loved people. And he was everything that um, the most leftist person today would say is wrong uh -huh. with America. Yeah. Now, wasn't a gay bone in that man's body. There wasn't a racist man in that bone's body. But what he was all about was, I love America. I love people. And don't give me no shit. Don't lie to me and we'll get along great. He was yeah. one of those kind of guys. So all that said, 
we had this student in our class. His name was Wayne. And this is in sixth grade. Yep. And so we're just really starting. Puberty's just really starting to kick in. You don't know what to do, but you you got a good idea of what's supposed to happen. Yep. And so not a lot of maturity happening. And there's this kid named Wayne who's really effeminate. I've known Wayne since kindergarten. And uh, when I left military school, I, I've just come back from military school. I've been away for two years, and we're all, everyone's back. Everyone I left, and there's Wayne. And um, because I've just come from an all-male, uber military school environment with no girls, mm -hmm. where everything is Lord of the Flies hack, yep. I'm merciless to Wayne. Yeah. I make a lot of fun of Wayne, and I immediately become the leader of the pack of the class. I am the most influential alpha male other than the teacher. Yeah. And he needs to make an example of me, but he likes me, you know. And I'm not the only alpha in that class. There were a few was competing, but we all agreed Wayne's a piece of shit because we think he's gay. We're not sure what gay is, but we're pretty sure it, he's it, <laughs> yeah. if that's what it is. Yeah. And and we're doing this to him for I don't know how long. Yeah. And uh, a minute, a couple months. And I'm not proud of it. And then one day, uh, Mr. Lucas comes up to me. This is one of the most influential moments of my life. And he comes up to me, when I say me, us, yeah. but wherever I went, the, cat, the pack came with me, this seven, eight little yeah. penguins following me like mindless idiots. Yeah. And uh, I was constantly into mischief, which is why I got sent to military school out of sure. that school in the first place. Yeah. And so he says, I need to talk to you. He comes up and he goes, I need to talk to you fellows. And we're all grouped around. Yeah, what's up, Mr. Lucas? Because he, he never came out on lunch. He never came out on recess to talk. Mm -hmm. so this is strange, all yeah. by itself. Yeah, it's a very graven look on his face. And he says, I need to talk to you fellas, but the whole time he's looking at me. Yeah. And he's born in my eyes. I can't remember the exact words, but where's it back? He says, Wayne. He says, got a phone call from Wayne's parents last night. And uh, for X amount of days, however long it's been going on, Wayne's coming home every day crying, talking about wanting to kill himself. It was all they could do to make him come to school today. And I just got done talking to the principal. And the conversation isn't about Wayne anymore. It's about you guys. It's because of what you're doing. The whole time he's looking at me. Because uh -huh. of what you're saying to him. And I can't remember exactly what he said because I know Wayne's different. But you guys need to take it easy on him. Because everybody's different in their own way. And anyone, no one should have to come to school and go home crying because folks are so mean to them that they think they need to end their life. And anybody that would do that to someone is no man. There's no one that I would want to go to war with. There's no one that I think of. In fact, I think Wayne's the strongest one of all you sons of bitches. And he's almost in tears. Because he's coming every day. Yeah. And here you guys are all in a gang. Yeah. So maybe just for me, you could take it easy. Yeah. You could give him a break. Mm -hmm. And I got it. I got it. I, just, I heard what he said. And man, it just I just like, I, I wanted to throw up. Because I didn't, I never, I didn't see it. I, I just needed, I needed someone to give me that Sunday school lesson. I needed Jesus to come up and say to me, well, "Those of you without the sin, throw the first stone." Yeah. I needed that moment, yeah. and it changed me. And so I can't remember how fast it happened. Probably pretty damn quick. And so we apologized, and it was right around Halloween. So school starts in October, August, August, September, October. So it took three months to get to this, mm -hmm. and we're all having a Halloween sleepover party and. We were all going to dress up as the Walking Dead, yeah. our Vietnam soldiers that were zombies. My idea. Yeah. And uh, you should come, Wayne, because you know we knew he wouldn't, because yeah. he's gay and he hates us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He shows up. <laughs> he shows up, and he had the coolest costume of any of us. Yeah. And he was a riot. 
And then we invited him to go roller skating with us on Fridays. And he was a chick magnet because he wasn't afraid of chicks. Yeah. <clears throat> he got all the cool chicks and he became my best friend. Yeah. And all the while we're going, well, you know he's gay. Yeah, we know. But he's, he's really funny. Yeah. And like we were, we were there way before anyone was there. Because the guy that everyone would hate now said, don't do that to that dude. And no one, I didn't have to have that shoved down my throat. Yeah. I just needed a life lesson and people are people, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, so people look at me today that they think that I don't know any of these things. What do you think? That we weren't talking about this shit in the seventies. Like we're, we were so de-evolved, we're Neanderthals. So this whole hate America, hate Boomerville, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why are we trying so hard to redo the race riots? Like 600,000 Americans died in the 1800s to get over this shit. Yep. Why are you bringing it back? And that's all Biden wants to do. So I, again, I bring it for sort of why would he do that? So you're saying the whole thing is because of, he wants to start another civil war? I, I, don't, I don't even know if he knows what the hell's going on. I think there's this, this encryption wire that comes through whatever this Illuminati Bilderberg yeah. thing is yeah. and... And I think in all of it, if China, if China isn't a hundred percent behind all of it, they're sitting back going, "Let's just see how this plays out," because yeah. something goofy's going on. Yeah, and this you, is working out you think great he's for like us. A, you think he's a uh, MK Ultra puppet? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, your, that's your final take on it. Yeah, look at the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which just came out in the Senate hearings yeah. this week with all the generals. Is they 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 threw him under the bus without throwing him under the bus. They said yes. We all told him right to the last minute. If you leave the Americans. This is going to go to shit. And he wouldn't listen. This was his decision because yeah. he has historically been wrong on everything he's ever done for 47 years in Congress. Yeah. Anyone that knew anything knew that. And and this is what's happened. And he left an entire army of our best equipment there, all of our secret stuff, everything, all the codes. Why would he do that? Why would you do that? Oh, well, because what you got to understand when you get in a satellite and you look at Earth, and you realize that Afghanistan is just like one of the most richest places in the world for all the materials that you need for an AI-rich world that we just gave. And so it's Afghanistan, China, Russia, and now China is coming in to Afghanistan. And Afghanistan borders Iran, and Iran borders Iraq, all the way to Israel. Russia borders that. Now we have a coalition of all of this. And for those of us that are Christians, what were we taught? In the end times, in the book of Daniel, and Magog and Gog will come across this area and they'll come down. And now we've just had that land bridge created where China can go all the way from Afghanistan through Iran into the Middle East and they take over the richest shit in the world. Without firing a shot. Without firing a shot. They're already in a deal with Iran. So we're seeing the stage of the Axis powers part two. It's going to be Russia, Iran, China, North Korea, probably some communistic satellite, South American states, which will be fit like guerrilla war agitators to try things here. And then you look at this incredible invasion there's been two million people that have flooded the border since biden yep. took office mm -hmm. two million mm -hmm. two million uh, we can't even wrap our head on that yep. how much how many americans now aren't going to be able to get a house to rent because the government's paying for these two million people for free and 184,000 afghanistan's being sent to nowhere america where there's a little town nurse with three little kids and her husband's long been gone because he was an idiot, right? 
and she just got fired from her job and now she's going to get and there's nowhere for her to go but that immigrant's getting it for free and that's happened two million people coming and he's not stopping it and the department of homeland security is in front of congress last week looking senators dead in the face and saying the border's closed see how he lifts his head the border's closed it's like are you the king's naked the king has clothes on the, the king's naked I mean, they're lying to us. I mean, clothes as air quotes, right? Yeah, yeah. So are you familiar with the tale, The King Has No Clothes? Not necessarily. Hans Christian Andersen? No. So, all right, we'll end it with this. Yeah. All right. So this, two metaphors. This will be the longer of the two. Mm -hmm. Hans Christian Andersen was a Dutch, a Dutch uh, satirist, writer, storyteller. He wrote children's fables. And, um, and... Speaking truth to power, like all great fables, mythologies, and the parables of Jesus, there was a story in it. The story of, and when I first started my ministry, this was the this was the sermon that I traveled, and I called it the Naked Church. And I said, everyone, I'm going to tell you a story today. It's a true story, but you just won't know it till it's all done. And it's about the king with no clothes. So there once was a king. He was a good king. He was a wise king. He was a nice king. He was a happy king. Everyone liked the king. Wasn't the smartest, wasn't the most gifted, he certainly wasn't the, the richest. He was just an all-around great guy who wouldn't like the king kind of guy. You'd want him as your neighbor. And uh, one day these uh, tailors showed up who were kind of conmen. They were kind of unscrupulous. They kind of were on the take and they kind of had an idea that, you know, it's somewhat easy to take advantage of nice guys who are a little naive. And so they said to the king, oh, great and wise king. Oh, Mr. Simon, no one's as wise as you. No one's as beautiful as you. No, no one quite can carry anything as good as you. You know, in fact, I think you're so wise, you're so smart that uh, we have these special clothes we can make for you that only the most noble, only the most wise, only the most holy, only those closest to truly deific kingship in God can see. And for a rather significant amount of, but fair amount of gold, we'll make these for you. What do you want to do? Well, the king, like all reasonable people, had an ego. Makes the deal. And so the king comes walking in there a week into it because he wants to see his clothes. And as he opens the door, he's so excited. I'm going to be the only king with the man. Everyone's going to see how awesome I am. Is this going to be? And he opens the door, and there's nothing on the loom. And they're doing the loom in the air, and there's no thread. And he's about to say, uh, what the fuck? And they're like, ah, look, we're almost done with the cape here. You're just in time. Let it try it on. And they get up, and he's like, ah. And he realized, I can't see the threads. And if I tell these two guys that I can't see them, they're going to know I'm a crook. They're going to know I'm a fraud, so I've got to pretend. Because my name's King Biden. Mm -hmm. And the show begins. And so they, oh, yeah, it fits great, man. And so a couple minutes later, he's thinking, man, I, I fucking didn't see anything. But you know what? I'm going to get Simon's wife. She's always told the truth. She, now I'm, she's, if there's anyone who's an angel sent to her, it's her she'll tell us i'm gonna tell her what she thinks of the color and so i send her in to go look and so all i know is the king just tried on his coat and he wants me to go see what he thinks of the color and i walk in there and i can't see it and in horror if i let on to him that i can't see the color he'll know i'm not good and not my jobs and so i gotta keep my job i got a baby and everything you know and so i'll just i'll go along with the trade and yeah brian's biden's mind is fine He's fine, Miss Paskey. I'm telling you, it's fine, right? And because, you know, he's got his clothes on. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And to everyone in the cabinet, everyone to a man, 
to a woman. The king's clothes look great. In fact, we're having a parade tomorrow. We're going to show them to everyone because we spent all the money on the kingdom. It's all gone for this great thing. That And the parade starts and every fucking adult can't wait to see the clothes that only the most noble everybody can see. And the king's walking down the street buck naked. But no one's saying anything because they don't. I don't want anyone to know that I'm. I only only dirtbags can't see it. And if I tell, and so literally, he's just marching through the city naked. And everyone's pretending. The whole court until finally he comes to a little boy. The little boy looks at the king and screams out, "The king has no clothes on," because he's telling the truth. He didn't know any better. And then finally, the king has no clothes. The king has no clothes. And then the king looks down and realizes, and in horror, the charade is up. Yeah. Con. But by then, it's too fucking late. Everybody sees it. Biden. The con men are China. The duplicious people that are allowing this to go on are the Senate, are the Congress. They're every voter that turns on their TV. Every single American listening to this that you know I'm right. We're, we're, we're firing. We're firing surgeons because they, <clears throat> they won't take a shot. Nurses, really? Are you okay with that? We're firing the cops. Defund the police. That's what, that's the answer. No cops anywhere. Does anyone think that's a good idea? No. You can, no, no. We're, we're going to draft women in, did you know that's another thing? We're drafting women. You're, I heard about that. We're yeah. drafting women in the military. You can go nine out for America. And what's great is if uh, you're a dude and you want to be a woman, we'll cut your dick off for you in the Marine Corps. And if you're a chick and you want to be a dude, we'll pay for that too because that's what the Army's all about, right? Yep. Give me a break. This is all happening under him. I, mean, I could go on it, it, to the point where I almost get, um, I do get depressed. Like there's many a nights so I go awake just heavy because I watch the news. And, yeah. and there's probably two, three days a week that I can't, bro. I'm turning it off. Yeah. Listening to a lot more music in my car. I'm coming yeah. home and I'm not putting on Fox News. I don't watch Fox yeah. News. I watch Tucker. Tucker Carlson is the only guy on Fox I watch. Yeah. I think he does great, really great, informative, hard-hitting stuff, and he's asking all the questions that I, at least I'm asking, yeah. you know, really reasonable stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and and then we're watching all these videos happen across America, and like in like liberal enclaves, loud in Virginia, which is like the most pro-Biden. Everyone there voted for Biden. They're all hate Trump. This is yeah. this is where the congressional people live, and it's soccer mom after dad against this CRT critical race theory stuff in the schools is just people are like no you're not teaching this Marxist segregationist hate-filled crap it, it, I, I can't believe it and 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 reasonable and intelligent people are are, are okay with it and I feel yeah. I feel like I'm living in and like I'm watching a movie with people and they're all seeing the same scenes and come out with two and two really different storylines and yeah. I, I can't who's on drugs yeah. To the point that there are many times that I have seriously asked myself, am I deluded? Are, am I missing something? I know I'm not. You know, it, so yeah, I'm, I'm worried because I don't think China, China hasn't done everything they've done for the last 40 years for all of us to wake up and then just let it fizzle away. And I can't explain anything that's happening in Australia unless there's people there on the dime like I know we have leadership here. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Why would you do that? Free yeah. loving people. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. I probably have to like look more into the Australia thing because I, I, I've definitely heard the initial things that they were doing about lockdowns, but I've not seen the protests. But I definitely need to look into 
how they got to where they are right now. It's but. being suppressed. You really can't see the video here. It's hard to find. Yep. Um, it's, uh, Dogpile will be a better thing for you to look rather than Google. Yeah. Um, they do less filtering. But um, there are hundreds of thousands of people marching um, with armies of police with their shields mm -hmm. and they're screaming every day, every day, every day because it's a lockdown. Video just came out this week of a man who walked 50 feet from his house to smoke a cigarette took his mask off to smoke his cigarette and that asked the police run and tackle and cuff him. His wife is there filming. You can see it was Sam. She goes, what are you doing? Our house is, I, 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 I have two masks in my pocket, please. And they're saying nothing. But you sh and they, they, their response was, you shouldn't be out here. There's no reason for you to be out here. I can come outside and smoke a cigarette. And I can't smoke the cigarette without my mask. And she was like, and I'm eating the sandwich. He came with me across the street to get lunch. We're having lunch. And he's smoking a cigarette without the mask. And he's like, if you just look, I have two in my pocket. He's like, I don't know what more you want me to do. What do you want me to do? Now, what's fascinating is in Australia, the whole reason why they're doing this is they're saying is because everyone has to be vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you can infect other people, hence it's all in lockdown. You're not even allowed, do you understand they're putting apps on your phone that day or night, the government will randomly, like a lotto, text you, your phone will bing, and you have 15 minutes to show, send a picture of you where you're at, which pings if you're really at your home or not, and if you're not where you're supposed to be, they're sending the police to get you. This is happening in Australia, and we have people in America that want to do this here. Like, like we can't pretend that it's it's not a movie. It's not. It's, it's happening. Point, it's and, 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 and Canada, they're doing it. Yep. So, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Come to Blue's Gym, because you better learn how to defend yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'll be there. That's good <laughs> talk to you, sir. Yeah, man. That was eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was on a half hour before I realized, oh, wait, I need to land the plane. We've started. I feel horrible. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. And we still haven't really got into oh, the no, spiritual sure. stuff, yeah, man. I, I mean, having you scratch the surface. I, I definitely want to talk more about that, but next time, I'll let you know. You know, and, and I heard what you, I totally get what you mean, the anti, an, an, a, a, almost a bias against the text. Like, I'd rather experience the breath of God yeah. than read about someone else who did. Yeah. That said, um, go back, um, and you probably could do it in your head. Reread John 1, John 14, and maybe John chapter 4. Mm -hmm. So John chapter 1, John chapter 4. John chapter 1 goes on, I believe, all the way through till John chapter 3. It's the longest opening. Yeah. Am, I, am I remembering correctly? It's a very long opening passage. Yeah. But don't, so don't get sidetracked. Yeah. But what we're talking about is where he's talking about the logos. Mm -hmm. and we're making in. And then in John 14, he starts talking about, for I am the living water mm -hmm. that flows out from your innermost being which is where you're at. If, if, and Jesus has a theology where he talks about it. And it's I did um, a lot of teaching on that, how that transition from Logos becoming Rhema, becoming living water mm -hmm. from your innermost being. Um, and I, I would do a Greek study through that, that. Do you have a strong concordance or you know how to work one? You know what I mean? No. You know what concordance is or lexicon? Not really, no. Oh, wow. Needs to be continued. Maybe we'll do a Bible study next time. We'll walk through that. Sure. 
open his book up, and I still got them at home. They're all marked up. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I think, I think the way that I understand it to be, let me finish this. Let me get out of here. Of of what Jesus talked about gives room for a really almost a universal yeah. approach to Christianity, yeah. less dogma and more experiential. Mm -hmm. And I get that from his theology in John. I I could go more into that, but I I just think that the Bible does have the words from God that was given to people which was the word of God but obviously that's just been deteriorated and mistranslated and you know just over the course of years the whole nice creed I see that whole mess you know I definitely if I if, if I'm led to read the Bible and read the scripture I'll read it and put it away I would have no opinion about it mm -hmm. I'll let it let the truth of God or the word of God reveal itself to me eventually but I don't consider the Bible to be like evil or whatever. I just think that if you're not reading it with the context of the Holy Spirit, then you're just going to be misled, um, and you're going to be you're going to be trapped in a materialistic worldview. Um, Is there an ink pen in here? Yeah. Something I can write on. Continue. Um, a little notepad I see over there too. If otherwise, if you don't, you'll be misled if you're not a Christian, you said? Yeah. I'm going to go to the rear of the book so you can find this. Yeah. Um, my glasses. Yeah, continue that thought. Don't let me interrupt. Uh, the, basically, the thought is that I would experience, I would experience God day and night mm -hmm. by listening rather than speaking to him and any revelation that needs to be that needs to, for me to any revelation that needs to reach me will be revealed between that time of prayer um and i don't need to consistently be worried about if i know the whole text of the bible or not because if if i'm led to read that i'll read it and put it away and i will the truth and that will be revealed to me eventually. i think paul taught that in um in, in Corinthians, in Corinth, he's explaining. Corinth is a series of questions that he's ans answering, and if I recall right, it was, it was eight or twelve questions, mm -hmm. and he does them in order. Mm -hmm. And when he gets to the part on the signs and the gifts of the Spirit and the speaking in tongues and the method of interpretation in tongues, he says some couple of really interesting things you can gloss over and sure. really get past. And one of the things that he says is, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. For when I pray, I pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. However, and then he makes a delineation. And when we start breaking the Greek, we, for he who prays in a tongue, prays in an unknown tongue and edifies himself. But he who prays in an unknown tongue edifies others. Therefore, what shall I do then? I shall pray in the spirit and I shall pray with understanding. And when we start getting into the Greek, breaking down what he was talking about in some other passages, which mm -hmm. slipped me right now, yeah. it seems to be what he's talking about is what you just said, that when whether it would be through the the glossolalia, uh -huh. or even in your own flea flow state, that if you'll just meditatively stop and go out and and and, and, and in that reaching up, it's not asking. Yeah. It's getting the radio antenna up and the tongues is the way of the chanting, like mm -hmm. the drumming. Mm -hmm. so at least I experienced it that way where mm -hmm. I drum out and I knew that I was saying something to God, mm -hmm. but in return, it charges my spirit because when he says for he 
who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That mm -hmm. word edified, it's like literally a battery charging, like there is a transfer of power, yeah. which is the dunamis, the, the power of God. And, and, and then in another passage, he says that um, the Spirit of God perpetually searches the deep things of God while simultaneously searches the hearts of man and no man knows the things of God except the Spirit of God yep. who knows the hearts of all men mm -hmm. and searches them day and night. Mm -hmm. So what what I always taught people is when you're what you're describing, throw your Bible down, whatever that looks like, and just mm, that listening to God, that it's that flow and that's where the artist gets his inspiration. That's where God speaks. Mm -hmm. That is the priming of the prompt for the for the Rhema mm -hmm. where the all of a sudden, it's no longer logos lo some words, which can be edifying, can be in interesting. Mm -hmm. Now it's a fresh, inspirational word of God to you. Dan Carlin is a podcast guy, Hardcore History. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what it's called. It might be called Prophets of Doom, but don't go down a bunny trail if that's not it. It's about a five-hour podcast yeah. where, he t where he talks about what happened in Munster, Germany uh. after the Germans printed Luther's Bible. Mm -hmm and people started reading the Bible for the first times in their life, mm -hmm. and they're marrying what you and I are saying, I've read the Bible, I'm hearing from God, and this is what God's telling me to do, and this thing happens in Munster, Germany, that you've probably never heard of before ever in your no. whole life. No. And so, check it out. It's yeah. pretty, because it, it goes right to what we're talking about. Yeah. And after that specific experience, I started looking into um, non-canonical Gospels, and I came across the Nagamati scriptures, which is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Do you own it now? I don't. It's on the way, actually. I just I just have PDFs on my, uh, my yeah, computer. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, but I actually wanted like a hard copy because it's cool. So. so did you start with Harambi, or how, what did you do? How, how are you going so about it? So basically, I just I stumbled upon the Gospel of Thomas, right? And, then, and that one resonated to you? Yeah, and that had a lot more. Obviously, they, they claimed them to be Gnostic Gospels. They say, oh, it's just mystical, it's like this and that, but everything no, is man, mystical. No, man, Gnosticism, Gnosticism gets a bad rap yeah. from the early Christian yeah. church. Yeah. Those dudes, it's like martial arts. Yeah. Some of those guys knew some shit, and it yeah. goes, wait, and it, we're talking about probably a stream of consciousness and conversation that goes all the way back to the, the spirit preschools, pre pyramids into mm -hmm. Egypt mm -hmm. deep hermetic knowledge yep. so it's yep. continue and that's and Thomas would know that exactly. he would know it better than you and I exactly and just from that I started reading the Gospels of Philip you know and the works of the revelation of Peter like all these different books that were never necessary that, that were never added into the Bible they resonated more with the conscious mind that I have right now than I ever did with the regular scripture that was in the canonized Bible. I'm not saying that the canonized Bible did not give me understanding. It gave me an understanding, but it stopped. It was almost like a, a seed that was placed on the rocky soil. You know, it grew some root, but then it never got too far. But in the camps you came from, there's nowhere safe for you to explain that because yep. you're apostate. Yep. That, yep. That's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So where you found it in the, the, the Harambi, and not, how do you say it? The it's Nagamadi. Nagamadi. Yeah. The Nagamati, um, my my martial arts teacher yeah. is all about that. Yeah, he's he he reads it like you know, people eat cornflakes. Yeah, and so, uh, um, 
I've read other books, but the same, the same effect. But taking me to some of the same conclusions and some of the same things where I realized, you know, that Jesus is so misunderstood. It's, it's funny, we have entire, the Judeo-Christian American experiences predicated, yeah. I forget if it's 24, it's either 24 or 28 sentences that Jesus said, that's it. That's all we got. Yeah. And then, are you familiar with the Q document? No. Another thing for you to do some if you just want to blow your mind a little, yeah. a little getting your mind right. So the Q document has come into play in the last twenty years. Um, is that in relation to QAnon? There was there was another document that I'm um, I can't remember what it was called, but it essentially was this sayings of the sayings of Jesus, the sentences. Yep. So this we know existed. So the Q document existed prior to that, which got synthesized into this. And from these, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark, Luke, the four synoptic. Uh, and then what's the other one I'm forgetting? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's it, four, That's right? It, yeah. Okay, and then Acts, okay. And then Acts could kind of be a question mark as to whether that's a part of it, but I think it is. So what's interesting is we, we know that, that Matthew and Luke quote tremendously from Mark. So most historians always said that Mark is probably the earliest gospel because yeah. these two quote a lot from it. Johannian literature stands out all by itself because he introduces concepts that's very Jewish, he stays on track, but he focuses on the duality of what they call the hypostatic union, mm -hmm. the, um, the, the man and the God joined together because he was talking to Greeks and that was like, how the fuck, how do you what? Huh? Yeah. And that would really, Hercules, half man, half God, that would appeal to them. Mm -hmm. Luke comes along, Luke is writing to a Roman audience, so it's very scientific, very action-oriented, very justice, because Romans like it in Mars, go yeah. kick their ass and fucking get some shit done. Whereas Matthew and Mark are kind of, you know, there's a mishmash of a lot of stuff, and Mark is just a really fast mishmash. Yeah. But what they now realize is that these things all flowed from something called the sayings of Jesus, which all of them sort of, because we've seen very minuscule copies mm -hmm. of that, which mm -hmm. appear to be older. And even Luke kind of takes a little from it. Yeah. But they believe what was from that was the Q document.